All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Nostra News. Here we are, July 13th. July 13th. Welcome. Yeah, it's What's good to be on? back. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously not uh, physically cohabiting the same space. I'm glad we can make it work uh, virtually. Yeah. Yeah, likewise. Um, are you, uh, I'm trying to remember all of the travel. Are you in San Francisco right now? I'm in San Francisco right now. I have a trip upcoming next week, though. Um, and then some travel in August as well. So busy couple of weeks coming up, but still in the Bay for now. Cool. And you're, that, you're in the mountains, no? Yeah, we're in the mountains. We're up in Mammoth Lakes. Uh, we've been for, I don't know, a week and change now. Uh, so we got to do the, the fourth here. And uh, it's it's kind of crazy because everything's so so much snow <laughs> everywhere we go. You know, we ride our bikes up in the, the ski lodge. There's people skiing like you know mid-july now <laughs> in 83 weather there's still enough snow so wow. it's uh it's been <laughs> it's so wait, been does, a little does bizarre that, does that mean you can actually ski still yeah yeah people go up and ski every morning at like i don't know six or seven a.m so that's like the best of all worlds because it's like yeah. warm for hikes and swims and stuff but yeah you can still wow everybody's like wearing like shorts up there and you know they're they hang out in their car they get everything out they just look like they're going to the beach but instead of a surfboard it's a snowboard it's crazy weird times <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um but i'm glad that we're we're getting to uh to get back together because i feel like you have again curated a great list of everything going on and i feel like i'm like woefully underprepared <laughs> so i'm going to use this session to learn everything i should know about everything going on cuz there's so much well, there is a lot going on for sure. I mean, like, I feel like there's never a dull day in Noster and it's been accelerating. Um, caveat, I mean, I'm still catching up on a lot of this stuff. And right. so part of my hope is some of the things I can throw out there will just be able to use as a, a starting point for some of the conversation. And particularly yeah, totally. some overlaps with AI. But, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Where do we even begin? I mean, I think, um, I mean, there, there's two big things happening. One, which I didn't put on the list, we should be the elephant in the room. Did, did we already talk about the, the whole Apple Pay with Domus last time? We haven't. No, we haven't. Talked we, about that. At least it's you know with Zapple Pay and the removal and stuff of the feature. We I don't think we've talked about any of that stuff. So that's all all newer than about two weeks, right? Yeah, and so I mean, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just like one place to begin. Um, yeah. What is your I don't know like initial take on all that? Like, I, so I initially you know was I think we discussed this a little bit last week. I was very that uh, you know, Apple could be in many ways more of a choke point than just about anything else. Mm -hmm. um, it seems, though, like my personal usage of zapping has obviously gone way down using Donna still. Um, mm -hmm. That may change, at least for the short term with Primal. Um, but that eventually will run into the same issues. And I'm noticing fewer zaps, but I'm still noticing a, a decent amount. What has your experience been like? Are you still noticing people zapping or not as much? Yeah, I, I would say not as much. So I'm guessing that the the Apple hammer has uh, has affected at least as far as I can tell. I, I mean, I still send uh, I still send Lightning payments, but I send them like to the person, and I haven't really integrated note levels zapping via Apple Pay yet into my workflow, kind of in my day, daily habits. And I'm I'm always like very experimental, trying lots of clients, playing around. You know, obviously we've been playing with like you were mentioning primal uh with the test flight and getting just sort of a flavor of of that experience but you know i don't think at least actually actually let's say i don't want to misrepresent it but i don't think there's uh is there yet lightning zap set the note level linked in there or that's not part of it 
I have not gotten that to work yet, but I think it's theoretically possible. So I'm not sure if that's like just in the next release or if I was missing something, but it should be if it's not, hopefully by the time this is out or very soon thereafter. Right, right. So I think definitely not having it in a main client really impacts my use of Zaps. And um, and I, you know, I don't think Apple has any really near-term reason to change course on this or change the stance. Um, so I think it's kind of better for us to collectively think about how we can accomplish the goals of, of Noster and the, the different sort of styles of how to build and how to use lightning, you know, independent of maybe the support that Apple, you know, <laughs> may or may not give <laughs> and what the timing on that will be. Yeah. Um, so I think I, there's I, plenty of interesting stuff to be built and even stuff around lightning. Maybe, maybe it just makes sense to do it more web centric. I don't yeah, know. What I do you think? I think web-centric, the Android stuff, the PWAs, all that, that we talked about last time. I, I have not experimented with Zapple Pay yet. So for those who haven't heard, Zapple Pay is a project of uh, Ben Carmen. <laughs> the guy just, he's one of those super prolific devs who's releasing constantly. And the, the gist of it is you're able, at least to my understanding, is that I, I think it hooks in with Nostra Wallet Connect and you can basically um, configure it so that when you give a, you know, Hang 10 or Shaka in, in Domus or... I'm assuming whatever, like in whatever client, you're then able to record that as a trigger on another server that basically sends a lightning payment from your other node. And so in theory, it's pretty interesting because it's like, it's a bit of a Rube Goldberg machine and kind of a nice mm. like, hack to get around. And I, I haven't played with it yet, but it does seem like people are using it. Um, I, I doubt that's going to go mainstream, but right. it is a pretty nice, you know, workaround for at least the you know, the very heavy power users for now. Right, right. Well, I mean, it, it does have this nice property that it removes the kind of need to have specific client support because it's more like at the note level, right? So instead of it being a feature on a note that lets you send this app to that note or to the owner of, or creator of that note, you, you, you create a new note and, like you said, like a Shaka or I think you can configure different different types of ways to express it but that new note with a special you know signal that you encode which is just a shaka um kind of serves that same purpose and that to me seems nice because you could imagine that fitting into lots of different experiences and like kind of leaves for a lot more experimentation um it may actually push the experiences to you know to help people think about wallets and and kind of communication networks as different things. Yeah. So, you know, th and, and there might how, be some good in there. How cool would it be if this does like kind of just end up making, um, you know, the ability, like it's, it, it could be like a weird way that payments come into every app, you know, like mm -hmm. where a weird, weird roundabout way. I'm still not sure how it would kind of go mainstream. It seems like, but it seems like a pain today, but maybe the experience gets so much better that in whatever app you create, whatever Nostra app, you just enter your in pub and your, you know, whoever is running your lightning ball for you, if you're running your own grade or Catalby or whoever. Um, and yeah, maybe it'll become easier and easier for them to set it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that we'll, we'll just see like more of this kind of experimentation. I think it's like healthy to just try everything in all kinds of different directions and, um, blimps. <laughs> yeah, though, though I, I still think, and I, you know, I've had a lot of discussions over the last couple weeks and I still think a lot of people are, I'd say, like in a little bit of a optimization of experiences mode versus yeah. more like 
radical experimentation. So I think like we as Noster curious or interested people, I think are spending a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to say like, how do we get zaps back in or how do we polish this experience that we know is going to be uh, thwarted by some of, you know, like the app store type stuff. Um, doesn't mean it's not worth trying to figure out workarounds and ways to make that work. But I think like the single most important thing is, is there crazy demand for an experience where yes. people can get zaps? And if we solve that, all the hoop jumping and behavior change and all the friction kind of doesn't matter because it'll work anyway. Um, I think we were, we were maybe you and I were on a call chatting about this with some other people, if I remember, but, but I think like the, the most important thing is the use case that creates like insatiable demand for that. And I don't think it's necessarily mostly an optimization thing. I think we can make optimizations on that, but the thing that really drives is like, we need the story of the person who like made something awesome. And then everybody rallied around that awesome thing creator and sent them value in whatever way they could. And then that creator walks away and says, wow, I couldn't have done this anywhere else, you know? So I can see right now, you know, this happening in one of two ways. And I, I agree with you. Like my bias as an investor as well is I want to see people trying, to your point, the radical new experiments that just straight up couldn't be done without Noster. And mm -hmm. the really wildest ideas, and it seems like completely crazy today, is probably the thing that's going to be huge in whatever, five years. And so the two things that I would love to see, you know, people experimenting on are kind of in two different categories. One is exactly what you're saying. I think this actually is, is not that crazy. It's pretty direct, which is how can you find a medium-sized content creator, whether it's a musician, an artist, whoever, and literally whatever hand-holding it takes, get them onboarded and just show them, hey, you know, you've made, if someone's not making a ton, like whatever, you're making five grand a month or 10 grand a month on YouTube today, and we can double that for you on an Oscar. And if that happens, that first use case, you know, people will, they'll, as you said, jump through hoops, they'll tell their audience how to download whatever Albi on the web or download whatever on Android or downloads Apple Pay. Even. If it yeah. is the difference between them, you know, making an extra hundred thousand dollars or not, they'll do it. Right. And uh, so, so I want to see that happen. I don't know who's going to be the first one. And, you know, uh, I think that's very worthwhile. And we need tools, by the way, like, you know, Primal, which we'll talk about that just came out with their release today. To just make it ridiculously fast and easy for a normie that just doesn't want to, you know, experiment with anything. They just want to like one click download works. It's fast. It's easy. I yep. money. What? So I'm excited about that. And maybe it will be the problem team. Who knows? Maybe it'll be, you know, Wave Lake or music team or a fountain podcast. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But one of those content creators. And then the second thing, I think this is kind of a nice segue into over really what I was most excited to talk about today is the brand new use cases. And I think that, you know, of all the different use cases out there, the thing that's exciting me the most right now is definitely Pablo and Highlighter, but not just Highlighter. We've talked a lot about Highlighter, and this is mm -hmm. a brand new experience of you can highlight a piece of text, people can comment on it. But now he has this data vending machine thing. Have you yeah. been following this? I, I've seen some of the notes about it, but why don't, why don't you set it up and we can Super dig in from there? Super fucking cool. So I, and I think this is like a broader segue into like lightning payments and Noster sort of messaging for AIs, um, which is what I've been thinking the most about. It seems to be mm -hmm. the moment right now in the world. But in general, the idea behind the data, data vending machine, as Pablo calls it, 
is, you know, I think he has this general thesis, I think maybe he and Gigi have been talking about this, which I tend to agree with in the long term. In the short term, I'm not sure if it's like 100%, right? I think it might be like sort of 50-50, but in the long run, I agree with them, which is data will more or less be free, information will more or less be free, but computation or manipulation of data to, to get new data will not be free. I think that makes mm -hmm. a ton of sense for a lot of reasons. Computation always has real-world costs around electricity, you know, the uh, actual physical hardware to perform yep. the computation. And so what he basically, you know, his thesis here is, okay, so let's basically create, in a way, a marketplace for data, but a marketplace for, really, it's more a marketplace for computation and then whatever data that comes out of that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, the first use case that he's doing is really, in my mind, super cool, and it links directly with Highlighter. And it's something, it's actually, it's a feature, I, I think both of us have been pushing, you know, sort of for different things on this podcast. With <laughs> I think he's kind of combined two of our requests. One of my requests was AI, you know, paying AIs over yeah. via Lightning. And then your request forever has been, I want to post in a podcast and get a transcription. Yep. And he's doing it. And so this data vending machine, the first kind of like test case he's demoed, and if you guys watching this haven't seen it yet, check out the YouTube video. It's like a three-minute demo. Basically is, um, you know, you post in, he posts in a random YouTube link or a podcast link. It says, I want a transcription. I'm willing to pay up to 1,000 sats. And then on the back end, there's kind of a marketplace. And different people can compete to offer you that transcript at different prices. And mm -hmm. it could be humans. It could be someone running a whisper model, which is an open source uh, machine learning model for transcription on their own cluster or whatever. Like People can compete to get that to you. And over time, they can accrue reputation. So you can see how, you know, as you accrue reputation, maybe you're able to raise your prices. You know, he has what he calls the undercutter bot, which is the new entrant that's willing to do it just for super right. cheap, but you don't know how good he is yet. Anyways, and I just think that is badass because it's showing... And again, I think eventually that experience needs to be much easier for consumers. They're, you know, they don't even need to know what's going on in the back end. Um, yeah. But this just shows you the power of Nostra, which is um, the power of Nostra combined with Lightning and AI. You're allowing people to compete to perform whatever kind of services in the world, increasing which will be done by models. Um, yeah. And it's all open, free market, reputation-based. That sort of thing is going to, I think that's what's going to make the next giant wave of Nostra adoption. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, overall Bitcoin as a, you know, computational payment mechanism because you can do it, you know, such small payments and fast and you don't need to have a lot of, you know, computers don't always have bank accounts set up. <laughs> um, so, you know, that that style of being able to just sort of more loosely federate and contribute to a goal that somebody has and something that, you know, people want to pay for. Um, I think that's an exciting, exciting one. Um, I, 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 there's so many questions in how, like how you train it, who runs the infrastructure, you know, how much does it cost and should it cost? And are people flipping and changing kind of who the providers are? Uh, like, is that the main leverage in getting kind of a system like this deployed today? I think, I think for some of the image gen stuff, it feels like, it's the kind of thing that's like kind of fun in the right way that people kind of can play with it. Um, some of the language stuff I think requires a little bit more of like an application view to what the application should do. And, you know, I think there's still so many questions going on around that that people are just like, okay, outsource it to some expensive backend, but like focus on this user experience. So I almost feel like we may need to see a user experience pop <clears throat> 
in um, you know in like an LLM context where it's sort of a direct paid, and then the kind of more open, loosely federated version of that kind of equivalent thing would. You know, we sort of identify user demand through kind of outsourcing to a centralized provider. And then once we have that demand, we can build the apps that let us kind of do the loose, looser federation and the, the com- competitive, you know, bidding uh, across the ecosystem of, uh, you know, people willing to contribute, um, you know, data and compute uh, resources. So th- this is an interesting point. I want to talk more about sort of lightning and nostrumy I have in its mode because there's a lot more to, to cover there. But th- this... Actually, I want to jump straight into um, a couple of tweets that you flagged for me uh, around sort of what in the edge or open source AI world is going to win versus the centralized world. And, you know, what I understand what you're saying now is like, okay, you know, let the centralized providers like ChatGPT show the demand and then the decentralized providers can come up and sort of compete against that. Now, I guess my big question is, there's a couple of reasons that quote-unquote decentralized or federated providers could win. One could be they're cheaper. One could be that they're uncensorable or just open, truly open. Uh, Another could be that they um, allow people that otherwise couldn't access it to access it. For example, Mm -hmm. if you don't have a credit card, you can't use ChatGPT, but through Lightning, someone in Africa or India could use it. Or something else. Um, before we j- jump into those tweets, w- w- what is your best hunch on like why the federated serving system will work? Is it just going to be cheaper, better, more open, more accessible? Yeah, I mean, I, this all comes down to this, you know, kind of broad question that we've we've been weighing a lot and talking <laughs> to a lot of people, which is like, is is centralized? You know, centralized has efficiencies. Centralized, you know, has you can pile up a bunch of resources to accomplish things quickly, but there's a limit to how broad it can go with traction. And so I always think of like centralized as a good way to prove out an experience. Let somebody try to show us in a, in a, in a way how to like move the world forward in a way. And then once we know that, that like people want this and we know there's demand there, see if we can sort of build the pieces that let that be more flexible and inclusive and allow more experimentation along the frontiers of what's unknown. Yeah, so I I think we're still like with a lot of the AI stuff, there's a lot of really cool demos and they, you know, there's a lot of, you know, interesting kind of experiences that people are playing with and I think there's some habits being built around those. Um like if I don't know if you played with character AI but or if you've seen the stats on that but just well, like, you know, is it exploding. In insane stats. I think it's like you know, I don't know, 100 million visitors or more, and it's like, you know, 28-minute total visit, you know, average visitor time or something like that. So, I, you know, I think there's something, it, it touches a nerve there, but, um, but like, you know, is that the final experience? Is there another iteration of the experience? So today, I think it's hard to do that kind of experimentation in a decentralized way. It's easier to... Um, have a, you know, kind of a group of people who are investing for the future with an expectation of an outcome to just sort of amass the resources to run those kinds of experiments that are really expensive to run. And, but I think if that proves to be a style of usage that has habits around it, that, you know, I think then you could sort of say, well, take, you know, take that and build the decentralized version and maybe you compete on price, maybe you compete on, 
you know, censorship, you know, one of the things the NSFW competitors to <laughs> character AI have really been having a moment. I think it's uh, janitor AI and Chai are two of those, um, which are kind of the NSFW. I don't know if they're NS, they're probably not NSFW exclusive, but I think they are supportive of that, <laughs> um, which has given them a lot of traction. Uh, so, you know, I, I, like I'm, I'm a fan of trying more stuff, but I think sometimes it's hard to, you know, accrue enough resources for some of these things that have, you know, expensive uh, early development. I don't just mean like a few developers, you know, spending all their time, but I mean, there's the people side of it, but there's the compute side of it and data acquisition and, yeah. and that stuff can get very expensive. And so I think it's hard to, you know, both do that in a decentralized way and explore the frontier of what the experiences should be. So I think it's more like, you know, sort of let let people accrue a bunch of resources together, get them all in one place, figure some of that stuff out, and then we can actually take some of those learnings and use it to sort of expand in new directions, which is, you know, I think kind of the, the Twitter, you know, Noster story, you know, in a sense, I don't think you, you know, I don't think you could have done any of this stuff 15 plus years ago as Twitter was getting started. It was very, very expensive to deliver SMS, which was how Twitter originally ran, right? It was all right. SMS, no, no website. So um, it was like a huge cost. And there were people willing to bear that cost because there was this, you know, exciting future of what could be done. And now we're yeah. sort of living in that future. And maybe for some of it's not so exciting, but now it's easier to understand how to, like we have a lot of experimentation and we've started to build tools to show how this kind of experience could be decentralized. So I, I, I agree with all of that. I also think though, so I just kind of going through this live, I do think costs could be a big factor and we should talk more about that thesis, mm -hmm. but that one I'm not hundred percent sold on, but I can see it. The more I think about it, the more I'm sold, the reason that something like the sort of quote unquote decentralized version, um, will probably win is for the same reason that Nostra's going to win. Like it, it, the censorship resistance are allowing things like NSFW are great. And like, sure, that's going to be part of it. But that's not like the big thing. The big thing as with Nostra is the composability and the openness mm -hmm. of people to run lots of little 100%. experiments. So I think what's yep. going to happen here with the open AI experiment, the actually open AI experiment <laughs> is, um, you know, and the reason that some of this data vending machine stuff and, you know, using again, open networks like Nostra and Lightning Bitcoin below that to, to operate it. Or it's going to allow people to like experiment a lot more like super kind of strange, but highly personalized and specialized mm -hmm. models. So right now, you know, if you think about something like Chad GPT or whatever, it, you know, any of these like big models that people are releasing, um, they're great, but like they're not super specialized on anything. And, and you will have private companies that are going to come up and try and do like specific enterprise applications or specific consumer applications. Um, but again, that means they're going to have to like bring, you know, some proprietary data uh, of some kind or, you know, compete on some other advantage. And, you know, there's only going to be so many of those that get funded, even if the funding wave is crazy. Now in Nostraland right. though, it's, it's beautiful because in Nostraland, because everything is open, you know, you can take any of these open source models, access any of the data that's open on Nostra or proprietary yep. data that you're able to bring in. And I think what you're going to see is you're going to see basically, and I think, you know, so I should mention this already earlier. I think it's a pretty big deal. There's um, a big hackathon, which I'm sponsoring through Hivemind Ventures. Mm -hmm. And that's the uh, AI for all hackathon, which Fetty and uh, Stack and Bolt Fun and some other guys are throwing. Cody Lowe's kind of been pushing the uh, plain point on that. And some of the projects that are developing, they're really cool. 
Pablo, of course, is is part mm-hmm. of the project because always. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also um, this guy Ollie the Dead that's doing really cool. It's like a, a marketplace for agents, and I think something like that could be massive. And the reason is, you know, if you allow anyone in the world to mash up their own data with whatever data they can find with Nostra data, and just say, okay, cool, if you have whatever a random GPU, you can run this model and like give us a highly specialized use case. Yeah. So one, one example, imagine, you know, I think Pablo gave this example, you have like a dentist and that dentist has a lot of like special knowledge or whatever, and they're able to create their own little weird dental thing. And that's never going to be huge, you know, but um, if you look at that in the long tail, there's a thousand and then eventually a million and then a trillion of these yep. like hyper-specialized models that can just operate with each other openly, send out the data they create, other models can use it, play with it. And obviously those people need to get paid somehow, right? So that's where the lightning piece comes in. Mm-hmm. If, if they're actually running their own model with their own electricity and stuff. I think that's what's going to make this pop. And so, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of, um, you know, Ellen Bits, which is a company, mm-hmm. an open source project when they spun up a company uh, that I invested in. And, you know, the thesis there has always kind of been a little bit like WordPress in the same way that, you know, WordPress just makes it super easy with their huge developer ecosystem to ship whatever kind of little widgets or whatever you want. It's this beautiful long tail and lots of yep. people that are specialists in helping you set up WordPress. I think it's going to be kind of like that with these AI agents in, in Nostraland where you're, you're going to have lots of specialists that can help lots of people train their own models on open source. You know, uh, they're going to expose it and offer it via Nostra because then they can op- offer it to these open marketplaces. Um, they're going to get paid via Lightning and then settle on whatever currency they, they yep. want in their own country. But it's all because it's all open. And so, yeah, the, the more I think about this, the more we talk through it, the thing that I'm most excited about is this marketplace for specialized agents um, that just takes advantage of like the super long tail of like weird yep. knowledge and data that people have. Right. And do you think these agents are going to be open source? Like, Because if there's a marketplace of these agents, it kind of suggests there's, you know, marketplace sounds like commerce and commerce sounds like there's, you know, somebody owning something proprietary that they're going to sell. Otherwise, you know, if it's kind of open source software, open source data, probably the marketplace idea doesn't work. So what what do you think is, I mean, is that, is that the right way to assess it or is it purely open source but still has kind of a, a marketplace uh, dynamic to it? Well, I, I mean, so I'm not sure. I think there's a couple ways it could play, but like, I, I think there, there can still, even if everything is uh, open source, there's always a marketplace element, which is just someone has to host and run the model, right? And so mm-hmm. even if all the data is open source and you still need to do some transformation with that data, someone needs to pile, uh, pay, pay for the inference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it could just be like a marketplace that just basically goes to the cost of compute, which is going to be pretty close to zero, um, but still not zero. So that's one option. But my guess is it's going to be it's going to be a mashup, right? It's going to be, um, you know, you're going to have some specialized data, either like specialized knowledge. Like imagine you're an enterprise with a dentist example, which is kind of a silly example. But uh, going back to dental coin, right? um, and you've got uh, and you've got well, yeah, like some specialized understanding, or you have very you know maybe perhaps unorthodox views of like the way a surgery should be done or whatever. And, you know, mm-hmm. you want to ship your, or like a better example, let's say you're a physical therapist and there's a treatment style that you recommend that other people don't necessarily agree with, but you're an expert in that. So you, you know, someone, the kind of like long tail WordPress guy for Nostra helps you train a model and the, the, the foundation model is open source, but it's fine tuned with your data, which is proprietary. And right. so people access your model, you know, it's, it's available on an open marketplace via Nostra and you pay for split stats but the model itself is still run on your hardware and it's mashed up with your proprietary data. And then maybe yeah. you make a choice on the data that you output. Is that open to everyone? Is that proprietary? And yeah, I think you'll just see people try different right. things. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the good news, you know, that I've kind of become, I feel like I've become aware of some conversations where there's a lot more questions these days around do the you know do the hyperscale investments that have been made in large language models actually make sense or are those going to get commoditized and are these more like fine-tuned distilled local edge um you know models that actually require you know less data you know fewer computing resources that suggests that this kind of thing is here and actually you know coinciding with that the you know i feel like agents are having a bit of a moment now right everybody wants oh, to yeah. talk agents yeah. um and so kind of the combinations of you know there was a bunch of work and capital and, and effort put into that which got us to today's point but maybe maybe you don't need as much you know uh as much strength and, and, and resources as were maybe originally assumed, depending on what kinds of applications end up taking off. And when I look at the applications, I think um, I say I, I follow less like what is interesting in the consumer world of kind of generative AI, like not not to say nothing is interesting there, but it's just not really where my head is. But the stuff that I think is the most interesting is um, is kind of the whole software development kind of framework of how how do we design software and and develop it and test it and deploy it and monitor it like all of all of that stuff i think is up to get reimagined and reinvented and it could actually use some of these primitives of like you know the kind of real-time calls to a bunch of different services to find out you know who can provide the service with the best quality and the best price um, so I think there's, there's potential, uh, there's still costs to running this stuff, but I'm interested in like, how does it plug into these workflows? Because there's so much radical transformation happening at the like software development process. And I almost feel like anything you believe about software development is up for reinvention. And it doesn't mean VS code with copilot, like, sure, that's cool. I get it. That's like very useful. It's impressive, the results. But I think, you know, how do test cases get written? And how do you, you know, review kind of a, a maybe product requirements or bug lists? Or how do you sort of take all of the stuff that happens around software development and integrate it into the new world that may actually not use as much of the existing tools or infrastructure deployment? Um, all of that stuff is is up for reinvention right now. You know, say like purely AI based code gen reinvention, and so you know those are I think going to happen. There's already a lot of people working on those and, and making good progress at those, and there's real results today. We don't have to like hold our breath and imagine too much. There's actually like real results. Okay, so that's very provocative claim. Can you maybe give like? two specific examples. One, a specific example of like what you're saying right now, like a real world example for it that's happening. It's substantially changing software development. And two, what would be an example of like, imagine five years out or 10 years out, whatever. Like when you say the whole world of software development has radically changed, like paint me a picture of what that looks like. Well, I mean, think about not just the coding part of software development, you know, open yeah. up VI or Emacs or VS code or whatever. But like the whole process of like, what should be built is a question you first have to ask, like, what should be built? So where do you start? You're like, you're talking to a customer or you're talking to a user or you're doing a whiteboard, making some block diagrams. 
and you're kind of trying to figure out like, you know, what should be built? Well, there's maybe ways to, you know, analyze and understand that, ask those questions, categorize them, prioritize them, you know, way upstream of coding, right? To try to start to design a system uh, or even just a, a simple experience, you know, just to start with. And then there's, you know, today you could imagine, I mean, today the way this works is you kind of like you open up VS Code and maybe you have, you know, if you want an, a specific example, a lot of people who spend a lot of time in VS Code use Copilot, you know, GitHub Copilot, and they, they come up with easier ways to pull in code snippets that they otherwise would have Googled for or, you know, look on Stack Overflow or... So, like, I think that is already massively impacting the software development process, but we don't yet have people who don't know how to use VS Code getting a lot of benefit out of being able to say, hey, I wish I had a thing that did X. Got it. And so, like, right now, we're sort of, like, taking existing workflows and, like, patching in code gen and AI-related things into existing workflows. Gotcha. But, okay. like, that's not the be-all, end-all. That's, like, a, you know, interim step to see how much is useful and so, where can we find utility. So, for example, I mean, just, like, very simply, you're saying, you know, maybe 10 years out, just, like, verbal language is way more common than what we're thinking of as more abstract or computer code today. Like you're able to just literally like those who can describe a natural language more succinctly and beautifully what they want, maybe the better programmers or is that? Well, yeah, I, th I think, yeah, I, I, I think it depends on what, what air, what layers and areas we get efficiencies in, but like, I mean, so, so you, you run a venture capital firm called Hivemind and I'm sure is it is it hivemind.vc is your website? Mm -hmm. Let's say that you got um, you know you got invited on a podcast to talk about Hivemind, and you wanted to link the episode to your web you know from your website to that um, to that episode. Like, yeah. how would you do that? You have to open up. Like, do, do you manage the website yourself, or you have a, a do, firm yes. or a friend? No, I do. Okay, so you so you have to like open up a a file on the server where, wherever you host it and you have to log it's in, WordPress. you have SSH keys or whatever. Oh, okay. So you're using WordPress. Okay. So yeah. you don't have, maybe you trade off some configurability and design for, for yes. kind of the simplicity, right? Yeah. But you can imagine more easily, you just have like some sort of like a voice assistant. You're like, Hey, I've got a file over here. That's, you know, this new podcast I was on. Can you just like find that podcast? It was episode of this thing, whatever. And just make like a link at the top and have it go, you know, link out. And also there's a YouTube video. So also make that link and make the design familiar to people. So if other WordPress websites or others have this kind of format, just do that. And then you don't ever open up VI or Emacs or anything. You just, or, you know, or, or WordPress even doesn't need to really support this. It's just like you go from, uh, you know, from like an idea to live software by expressing the idea well. So, okay, so th this is fascinating for many reasons. It opens up many, many different avenues. One is, I'm curious if you're thinking it's changed on this, because I remember maybe a few months ago we talked about this on a podcast, and I, I just asked about this idea, like, in the future is all programming, basically verbal, it's everything just done verbally. And you're like, well, maybe some stuff is, but you're you know, still pretty bullish on, like, the visual, physical, whatever, interaction. Have you changed your mind on that, or you think just both, or? Well, I, I, I guess it depends on, like, what, layer we're talking about like we're 
we're talking about you. I guess you're sort of representing yourself as a WordPress user and not as a programmer. Right. But I think a WordPress user like you, who's not committing to the programming craft, can get, you know, let's say 100 times more configurability with than WordPress is ever going to bother to implement, you know, with their programming staff, right? Yep. And then meanwhile, people that are programmers, it, what would be an example for them? Like VS Code or Copilot is, is already, I'm hearing from many people, you know, increase their productivity 50% already. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think that workflow looks like for, you know, a really good engineer five years out? I think it, I think we're just constantly like, we're just constantly increasing the abstraction layer, which means anybody who's committed to the craft can just accomplish a whole lot more than they could before. Yeah. And, you know, you go from, you know, if you have to flip bits and electrons versus you get to, you know, you get to write assembly language. You're like, Oh, this is so much easier. I only have to write these sort of, sort of vaguely human readable things. I don't have to mess around flipping, you know, electrons anymore. Well, okay. Today VS code, you know, if you're programming in Python or something, or probably rust, if you're like really smart, <laughs> um, <laughs> what's that? Or hipster. like that. Yeah. Rust. Hipster. but um but if you're programming that you're like you're so far removed from the electrons you probably can figure out the path like you could Uh like somebody who really understands the layers of the architecture could do that but we are not yet imagining what that other layer of abstraction would look like right imagine how far python or rust is from the electrons right and now ai is going to take you 50,000 feet above where you are today and you're going to look down on rust and be like, yeah, we used to touch that. We know how it works, but that's not really, that's not yeah. where the challenges are. And I think it's a really interesting point. So I guess back to your point around the opportunity here, you know, on the one hand, and I guess this is a debate a lot of people have. It's like, well, you know, companies like the Googles and the Microsofts or whatever are in a nice position because they already own all the customers. They already have all this data. If they're able to move quickly, then they can sort of launch the new tools and use their existing distribution and data stores. On yeah. the other hand, I also really like this idea that like, if, if we, you know, if what you're saying is, is, is as radical as it probably will be, you know, the little version we're seeing right now, just like rebuilding, you know, the, the horse driven car before the actual yeah. internal combustion engine. Like there's probably a huge window for just, comp- I mean, it probably will be brand new companies if it's radically different, um, yeah. unless there's leadership of these big companies that's willing to just completely cannibalize their business, which yeah, that's, that's generally not what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the big companies today are pretty savvy about finding places where there are well understood scaled opportunity and, and going after them. So they're not quite as you know, as lumbering and dumb as some people, <laughs> you know, suggest. Um, but, but, but I do think like, I think everybody is always trying to like recreate the past in a new way. Right. And so, you know, I think everybody's like, Oh, like chat GPT, maybe a new search engine. It's like, eh, okay. I don't think you're going to catch Google unaware of the interestingness of large language models and transformers because they were literally invented there in 2017. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, that is, I think, unlikely if it's just an information retrieval search-based thing with a slightly different chat UI. I don't think that's like meaningfully something that like a Google would miss. Um, if there's something like, you know, oh, you can do better recommendations for follow or friend stuff, like that stuff that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whoever should probably just be able to figure out how to use 
language in new ways to make better recommendations like that. So I think that is going to just extend the dominance of the existing players. And so I, I think there's lots of opportunity for new stuff, but I think it's going to look very different. It's going to take the assumptions about the world and it's going to radically reshape them because what's possible, you know, there's new stuff possible that just you couldn't do before. And like, we've never had a system where you could like say, I want a website that does a different thing like this. And then the website's deployed. Like we, we don't have like, so who owns that? Does GitHub, Microsoft own that? Does OpenAI own that? Does Google? Like, I, I don't think anybody owns that. It's just nobody, like maybe a web flow would be well positioned for such a thing or a Squarespace, but. Well, okay. So a, a couple of the other wild ideas that came to mind when you were speaking is, you know, I, I've been sharing, this one's a bit more esoteric, let's say, but mm-hmm. I've been sharing some of this, this Thinking Loud show, which is a really fascinating show. Thinking Loud. Uh, Thinking aloud. So thinking aloud. A L L O W E D, but some of them are double entendre. Okay. Thinking aloud. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I shared it. one with. I mean, it's let's say more of the like kind of like mm, edge explorers of, of uh, reality. Anyway, and like what's possible. And so one of them yeah. is Terrence McKenna, who's kind of like the you know the uh, successor to, to, to Timothy Leary and sort of the psychonaut and whatnot. Anyways, and. Uh, you know, on I don't know if it was the one that I showed, but in many of his different talks, you know, he always talks about he has this fundamental sort of belief that the universe itself, the basis of the universe, is made of language. And not to go too out there, but he talks about in some of his interdimensional travels, seeing beings that can be, literally speak something into existence, like uh-huh. from the vibration of sound, a physical yeah. manifestation of it. Um, and that immediately comes to mind. I mean, what you're talking about here is that in a way we're continuing you know, if, if that's true, real, or whatever, moving in that direction for more and more people to give them, I mean, you know, as Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke would call it magic, right? Which is indistinguishable from science or yep. engineering. Um, yep. So I, I, I love this idea that, you know, 8 billion people maybe now are going to be able just to speak into existence, whatever ideas and creative things they have in mind. And, you know, yep. that, that should spark a renaissance is, is all I, can think I think so because you're, you're you're putting the tools in the hands of more people. Now we're nowhere near it today. It's not like we're yeah, very close to this future, right? Like, but but I think it's gonna. We're heading there. We're directionally moving in that direction. And you know, at first, it's going to be the actual craft person practitioner types who are doing it every day. You know, they are using VS Code and they're 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 now able to perform not just fifty percent better, but ten x better, more more complicated tasks that they can do in shorter amount of time because we have all these technology tools that just like abstract away all the, you know, the places where you screw up and shoot yourself in the foot. And it just kind of, you know, understands what you want and helps you do the thing. And then you kind of do some tweaking, right? So I think step one is just like enable people who are the craftspeople of the art to do it and to create better in that way. But along the way, you also say you're bringing up the other 8 billion people who don't know the craft, but who can now do these like superpower light type things, right? So I think there's totally. still going to be like abstraction layer and the need for craftspeople. I don't think that ever really goes yeah. away. I mean, I'm not going to say ever, but like, you know, if you think about just energy and stuff, like maybe that matters. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it ever really goes away as long as our human needs that are unmet. Which but um, definitely probably so. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that can really kill Bitcoin is if we have uh, all human needs are met and nobody really wants Bitcoin, right? Time to pack it up, guys. Uh, (laughs) Pack it up. To to be clear, so I agree with you. I think, you know, 
if anything, I, mean, I, I don't agree with him on everything, obviously a lot of the crypto stuff, but I did love Mark Andreessen's essay on AI saving the world. I'm not going to say save the world, but I generally agree with him. Like every technological new wave, you know, there's a lot of people that scream, oh, the jobs shouldn't go. And then all that ends up happening is more jobs come because now there's yep. like more people that can do yep. things. I think it's going to be the case with software. Good engineers become great engineers. Great engineers become whatever, wizards. And, and all kinds of cool things happen. But the thing that I'm even more excited about is, to your point, there's going to be all kinds of craftsmen that can benefit from this. Software yep. is one example, and it's nice because it has a big multiplier effect. But one thing that I'm super excited for, and I've been waiting for this for years, and now I feel like it's finally here, is, um, you know, as a musician, right? Like, yep. I cannot wait, and we're super close to this. I actually think this will happen pretty fast. You can already kind of play with it on some of Google's models. Where I'm like, okay, I want to create a new album. I want to do it with an AI. In fact, I probably should do this. It's maybe should do one of my <laughs> projects later this year. And I want, you know, here are my 10 favorite beat makers. Here's like the mood I want. I want you to create yep. me 20 beats in this style. And that's it. And now all of a sudden I can rap on those. And yeah. my producer was an AI. Yeah. And that, to me, that's matter. Right? Like, yeah. That's something I would desperately want. That, that Have you played, um, I know there was a startup called Riffage. That no. Riffage.com that kind of, I think it went up. viral back in December, if I recall. And yeah. it plays with this idea a bit. And then, if I recall correctly, I think in the last few weeks, I think Meta launched something new in in a kind of a music-based, kind of a direct, okay. uh, directable music-based model, okay. um, which is maybe a little bit more like a beat maker, like a, a digital audio workstation driven by, you know, uh, kind of AI. Cool. Kind of a new experience around that. Yeah, and by um, the way, I would love to see, I know, you know, the um, Rock at Stemster has been doing some really cool stuff, I'll play mm -hmm. a little bit with that. I would love, yep. you know, right now, like, they have beat makers and rappers and other people sort of play it, but I would love for, you know, maybe he'll integrate AI agents on there as well, yep. you know, yep, yep. And, and maybe using Pablo's data vending machine. And again, this goes back to our earlier question of, like, why the, the Nostra open protocol matters, and it matters because it increases the rate of experimentation. Yep, yep, 100%. Yeah, I think the censorship resistance is an enabler of more experimentation, more diverse paths of, of attempts. Um, let, let's talk a little bit. I don't know if you have any more, more thoughts to add because you touched on it before, but like, are you sort of a believer in PWAs or are you kind of like a skeptic or where do you sort of live on that? To be honest, I don't have too many new thoughts. Here. We talked a little about this last week and I would just mm -hmm. say that I am, um, I think it's a valuable tool in the toolbox. I think it will grow in relative importance, and yet I still don't think it's going to be a big deal for a while. Mm -hmm. So, so I you're think, kind of yeah, well, it's like more I, I experimental. Many, let's say one percent of people use PWSA. It's probably less than that. Let's say it's 0.1 percent. I think it could grow 100x magnitude, maybe even get to 10 percent one day. Of mm -hmm. all, like all the nostriges and people that are you know freedom and yep. bitcoiners, mm -hmm. and that's great. Do I see you know people that are just going to the app store and like clicking and like don't think a lot about a, a lot of things now, mm -hmm. at least yep. today. I'm not saying that can't change, but I think the key is the, it's about changing user behavior. So one of two things either happen. It needs to either be so easy that I don't even know. It's just, you know, like, and, and I know uh, some people have suggested to us that now it's already come a much longer way and like they can show you in a little video how to click it. But, but I think the one thing that can make it really pop is if by going PWA, you're able to access some content you really want that you can't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. You're able to make a lot more money than you could otherwise. Yeah. So if everyone's like, hey, all you have to do is change your user behavior from clicking the app store and you click this one button on a website, it's not that hard. 
And yep. by being able to do that, you can see whatever the new Seth Rogen movie that he's doing direct to consumer. And that's the only way you right. can get it. People will do it. Right. So actually speaking of that, then, I mean, it kind of, to me, it sounds like, uh, a, you know, again, kind of a content, like there's some piece of content that's locked that you want to see. Yeah. Um, and I think like recruiting external content that already has a fan base and stuff is like, you know, interesting, but feels to me like it might be challenging in ways that are like, like if the audience isn't there, why does the creator come? And you can't really promise, you know, monetary, uh, incentives unless the audience is there. So there's like, you know, obviously some chicken and egg thing, but, um, but I think what I was going to point out is this, um, did you see this, uh, documentary, this, uh, Noster documentary that was produced at Nostrica? I heard about it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I, um, it's really, really well done. I can say this as a, you know, I'm kind of like a very amateur at video production. I don't really know what I'm doing. TK <laughs> um, is way better than he's letting on. Oh, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I look at this and I'm like, wow, this is actually, you know, maybe it's like the first like really professionally produced piece of media. It's about cool. 25 minutes, I think. Um, cool. And it, he grabbed a lot of footage that I think he recorded live in Costa Rica at Nostrica. And, um, and then he sort of pieced it together and the, you know, the transitions, the intros, the outros, the whole narrative arc of the thing. It's like, this is a filmmaker. This is somebody who, who really, you know, knew what he was doing and wanted to do a great job at this. A craftsman. Yeah. Craftsman. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll get an LLM that'll let me <laughs> <laughs> uh, rise to, to that, uh, to that level. But, um, but, you know, I think something like that would be interesting to try in a content store because like what if what if it was just on you know the stemster st support video today uh i don't think so i mean they're audio only. and i think it's okay. still in, like closed beta so i don't think it's okay but like what if you had a filmmaker like that do a crowdfunding campaign to even make the film or do like a you know a little bit of a sizzle trailer mm -hmm. reel kind of thing what was it no, I, I, oh. I like, keep going, keep going. I, yeah. I, I thought of something I want to show you, but keep going. So, and then maybe host it on Noster and you have to throw in, you know, a hundred sats or a thousand sats or, you know, 10,000 sats, whatever, uh, to, um, to be able to unlock the content, but you do it with a really high quality piece of content. That's not like recruiting people from outside, but that's actually kind of like somebody who's already on the inside and who's creating content that we, the people on the inside want to see and want to see flourish and want to sort of run this experiment. So I love all of that. And the reason I got so excited is, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this, Danny from DZ just released, I think it was today or yesterday. I, I haven't gone all the way on it yet, but he released Astral Desert, the first open source ordinal mosaic, um, mm. which is interesting. Now, again, I'm not, whatever, the, the NFTs and inscriptions and lights <laughs> and whatever, but, but the concept here is fascinating. And the concept is he basically repurposes um, all of the uh, astral babes and astral chats and recreates these completely new pictures. And so it's like a mosaic, right? Like you have a new picture mm -hmm. and all the other pictures. Now, one of the ideas that, you know, I know it's kind of implicit in this is like, imagine, you know, you have some kind of like open, like you have some sort of piece of art, but this is all that open source. Now imagine there was a new way. I think it comes back to somehow incentivizing creators where it's like, okay, I have this, or like, like we talk about the models. I have this specific piece of art and a specific piece of data um, that for whatever reason, people find that valuable. Even if anyone can copy it, it's my inscription or whatever. And I'm willing to quote unquote license that or share right. some of my 
proprietary whatever information, ideas, knowledge, yep. skills. And in doing so, we together create a brand new piece of art that, you know, it's a thousand of us from the Nostra yep. community. And we all, you know, load up our InPub and our lightning address. And one day it'll just be one. Um, and we get a SAS flow from that. And so I think that's really cool because like for something like the documentary, it, it's again, the value for value split. Same thing, you know, you, you and other people are doing with podcasts, but you can do with anything like music, mm-hmm. art, and this open source ability to collaborate, bring new people together, potentially fund it, some of the crowdfunding yep. stuff, and then also split those revenues. That is a brand new activity that will get people, if they can make real money doing this, they will get right. very excited. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think those kinds of things are what are newly possible. I always, I always keep trying to think or figure out what's the simplest version. Cause I think yeah. that feels like the coordination of getting everybody to contribute and opt in and participate and decide shares. Those are um, like more you know, sort of advanced kind of versions of this that are like beautiful in their sophistication and complexity. Um, but I think like, we need some very simple starting points. Like I, I would encourage almost everybody who's thinking about this is how do we sort of slim down the complexity in favor of simplifying UX so that everybody understands I show up, I do a thing, I pay, I get paid, I create a certain way. And then once we have those flywheels of like, hey, I just know I can show up every day and make this thing and I'm going to, you know, or I can play the slot machine and try to, you know, create a great you know, a fun video that people value. And, um, and, and, and then once that flywheel's going, I think you can start to do, oh, now you can actually do splits across a couple of creators or across, you know, dozens or hundreds. Um, so I agree with that. I'm pulling up another tweet. So I like, I think, yes, I think um, the value for value, like the thing for podcasts is probably the easiest and best example today. I think that'll work really well for music too, because it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, there's two guests, there's a host and a guest, and there's a producer split it 30 30 30 and then 10 yep. percent left to the whatever podcast and whatever it is um i don't know if you saw this but this is another idea i'm really excited about and this in a way kind of transitions us i want to talk about lightning labs and the l4 to announcement which ties yeah. back into some of the ai stuff but i just saw it this morning from albie and i've talked to the albie team quite a lot but like i didn't even know about this so i was crazy mm. excited mm-hmm. and so there um apparently this was on youtube i don't know if it's live yet it was this morning but how to earn for your code libraries and support fellow contributors. Turn in for a live session about value-for-value split payments for NPM uh, packages. Now, this oh, is something cool. that I've wanted for a long time. And I was just mm-hmm. so excited to see this. I remember yeah. back when I was um, you know, investing in my, my prior fund, I looked heavily at this guy who was trying to figure out how to basically monetize like packages, like small little pieces of open source mm-hmm. software. And there's a ton of these packages and there's like dependencies and like some of them are really big and some of them are really s- small, but like that's what the internet and like everything runs on. And, you know, if you're programming, you know, there's this NPM, which is kind of like, I don't know, like a directory or collective of all the stuff. And that's how you download all these different packages. And, you know, his whole point was that a lot of these packages are making major companies like uh, Adobe and Google and whatever run. Um, but the people that are maintaining the open source packages are not like monetized. They're, they're not incentivized in any way, shape, or right. form. They're not monetized. And it's like often these people burn out and like have like pretty like horrible lives and stuff like that. And so this, his whole thing is how do we like get these guys paid? And at the time, this is before I realized how big Lightning was going to be, you know, his idea was to do it through just telemetry, like basically tracking, which now I view as like pretty creepy, but mm-hmm. it was an idea. And the idea was basically just like give stats back to the user, basically like, hey, like here's the person at, or like Adobe is one of the, you know, the people that downloaded your package. Like you should like right. basically like spam them for an SLA or something uh-huh. uh, or like for some kind of support. Rate. 
but then as I started reflecting on it and understood lightning better, I was like, oh my God, like you should just be able to post your package and maybe multiple people's packages and maybe people that package things together and do the value for value splits and just be like, okay, here's my software I wrote. Here's what cost taxes are. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the L402 thing. So Lightning Labs, for those that missed it, this was a really big announcement, kind of part of this AI and Bitcoin and having its zeitgeist moment. They um, released this week uh, two things. They released um, LangChain Bitcoin, which is basically a library that plugs into the very popular LangChain, uh, I guess, which is also a library for like AI agents, how to collaborate with each other, how to bring in external data sources, how to chain multiple agents together. Mm-hmm. And then Lightning Labs, I can even feel myself talking fast. I'm so excited. I feel like we're speaking. <laughs> uh, and then Lightning Labs, uh, so, so they released the tools to combine sort of Lightning and Bitcoin payments with LangChain agents. And then they released the newest version of Aperture. And Aperture is basically like the API wrapper, um, which allows you to basically charge stats to access an API endpoint. And there's like many ways you so can do that. So if you're hosting your own API, you can use Aperture to sort of wrap it in a stats-based kind of payment interface. That's right. And I, I don't nice. know all the different specs, but I think you can do it like per call, per uh, amount of data transferred, certainly per call. Anyways, and so this all used to be part of what they were calling the... Um, LSAT protocol, and they changed it to what I think is a much better name, the L402 protocol, uh, which is mm-hmm. excellent because it references 402 error, which is payment not request or payment not found, an early error right. on the web, even earlier than 404. And so, uh, so, so I, I just think it's like cool on many, many levels. But now the challenge that I'm seeing from the IA hackathon and all this stuff is okay, so you have these tools, um, but like eventually we can see a world where everyone's, you know, okay, you want to access either my agent, which is compute or my data. And I'm open to either and, and or both being monetized, probably mm-hmm. bullish on the agents in the future, but how do you get started? It's kind of a chicken and egg problem. So no one's going to do it. No one else is doing it. And so, um, you know, a couple of people, Cody just put out like a, a, an easy abstraction where you can take any API. I forget the name of it. It's called Matador. Cody Lowe, the guy's running this hackathon. It's called Matador. Mm-hmm. And you can basically take, if you have like an open AI uh, key, you can basically just take your key enter your lightning address and offer that up um, and get paid. And like basically mm-hmm. it's payment gating and it's using L4 to in the background and open AI uh, API is what he's doing today, but you could eventually do it for anything. And now what Albie is doing, I think this is like, I think this is one of the things that could really blow up. If you're a software developer and you write some really useful code and you just say, Hey, the only way I'm going to let you access this is to pay me a hundred Satoshis. That gets pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. so anyways, I, I, I think, we're all looking for what is that first L402 wrapper use case going to be. I think this has pretty, this is a very interesting experiment that could be it. Yeah. And so are people today mostly using it for like the, I guess like early demos that people are doing, which wrap kind of existing APIs from like maybe open AI. Um, are there like, is there a list or is there a catalog we can go to to browse no. things that can be used that way or it's so early that doesn't even exist yet. Okay, so, so it sounds like a tweet storm you should write. It doesn't like tweet storm, yeah, actually. <laughs> a Noster storm you should note. <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah, or someone listening this should, or you should. Well, I, think, I think it's nice to get both because there's a lot of AI people on um, yeah, you know, Twitter. Twitter who are not on Noster. But, but by the way, DK, I mean, that, that's why I'm so bullish and excited. Like, I, I don't know if this is going to be the hackathon and all hackathons. I mean, it's, it's, you know, whatever, it's relatively small. But yeah. Um, by the end of this hackathon, we should at least have some very, like what we need are very specific use cases, right? You go and you talk to you know, the AI developers, say they're not deep in the Lightning or Bitcoin. We're like, okay, this sounds cool, but like, how do I use it, right? And so what right. we need are like, just like very specific use cases and easy libraries for people to plug in. Well, now we have the libraries. 
And so now we've seen like some really dumb, simple demos for people mm-hmm. to be like, oh, okay, now I see yep. I can wrap what I'm working on. Um, and also to start building those network effects because once you build sort of the network of AI agents that are calling this data and using it, then more people obviously becomes more viable. Join that network, blah, blah, blah. And so my yep. hope is that by the end of this hackathon, and our demo day is going to be on August 3rd, that we at least have a few very like legitimate, interesting demos of this working in the wild. Right. And, and demo, maybe, th- if people haven't built something yet, can they, is there still time to do that? Absolutely. I mean, you've got uh, several weeks, like three weeks left, right? So I would say do you have to yeah. Do you have to apply to present your demo or just... How, how does that work? That's a good question. Actually, <laughs> no, I think I'm supposed to judge. So I, I'm not sure. <laughs> probably should know. But I, I mean, I think at this point, it's very inclusive. They're not trying to like gatekeep from anyone. So if you're interested, go to bolt.fun. Um, and then they have a tab on their website. Bolt.fun guys, by the way, are just, they always do incredible work for these hackathons. Yep. They always have the best content, the best programming. Like they're truly, truly exceptional for what they're doing. And uh, there's an AI for all tab. That's this hackathon. Um, just go there. All the information is there. And you can watch in real time. They encourage people to build in public and share updates, um, you know, share code as they, as they ship it. It's trying, like the idea is to be very open. And there is like, you know, there, there's, I think, you know, something like $15,000 in prizes up, up for grabs. So it's cool. Um, nice. But the bigger point behind it is um, build an open, yeah, show people that yep. this works. In August 3rd uh, is in-person as well as virtual, right? I believe that's Got, the case. Kind Cody of a hybrid. taking the lead on all this, but my understanding is, yeah, that you don't obviously have to be there in person, um, but the actual judging, I think it's going to be at Craft here in SF. and should be pretty cool. You said at Craft. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So it's like kind of a, a setup with a, like a stage audience kind of set of people show up. Truly, I'm asking you all the all we'll the find out. Yeah, yeah. Cody, if you're listening to this, or John's like, let me know. But right. I, I'm planning to be there. But yeah, 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 awesome. I think I have it in my calendar. I think you sent me a, yeah, a calendar invite. So we would love to have you there. Too, I'm planning to planning cool. to be there if there's a there to be. Um, but but uh, all that said, just looping back, I, I just I love this idea of like just like packages. Like someone mm-hmm. that's an interesting, tiny bit of open source software. And it doesn't need to be expensive. Like literally it could be like a hundred sats or a thousand yep. sats forever, but it's not zero. And I think that's, that could be a really compelling use case. And honestly, it also makes me super excited because I know there are a lot of these, like, I think that if this starts to work, there's a broader picture, which we've been talking about for months, which is this can, in the same way that you were to talk about how like excited you are, the LLMs can radically change the way software development is done. I think this mm-hmm. is every bit as big of a deal, if not bigger. Like, yep. The moment, because this this makes open source feasible for so many more people. Because the moment you know, you know, there's that whole book. I don't know if you read a couple years back. It was from Stripe Press. I think it was, I think it was Nadia Engvall's book on like how open source software gets made and funded. Yeah. And yeah. I, I didn't read all of it, but I thought it was pretty good. And like, I basically I remember my big takeaway was like, man, like a lot of these open source devs are just like eating ramen forever. And like, it sucks. Yeah. And not all there are exceptions that go out there and raise companies, but if they don't have kind of the business gene or person with them, like a lot of these dudes that are geniuses are really kind of like holding up the weight of the web or, or yeah. remunerated. It's kind of sad. It's actually really sad. Yeah. And um, yeah. So one of my dreams from this is in the same way that, you know, they're that the all craftsmen and artists of the world, including the software developers are able to help earn a healthy or even like excellent living by just, providing by by taking a small cut of the value they're providing and i think if that happens then open source development is going to just go like this Mm -hmm. right 
I'm excited for it. So we're gonna we got the hackathon going. We got Lightning LN402. We've Lots got uh, <laughs> NPM wrapped in in Lightning. <laughs> yeah, um, agents uh, wrapped in Lightning. Other, I actually have a, a topic that I wanted to talk about that uh, I thought we had in our notes, but I can't find it out. But that's all right. Um, uh, I guess I have a, a maybe I'll ha- I'll offer my provocative take. Oh yeah, let's uh, go. <laughs> I think that uh, I've been using Threads, which oh, just launched I, I, about a week ago. I'm sorry, DK. I, 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 <laughs> I think it, my my dog is barking. Or something. I, I gotta go. So. <laughs> um, I keep. I keep the. The provocative take is I think it is good for decentralization to have threads be successful. Okay. And I'll, I'll start with that and see if you want to bring the knives out or if you sort of get, no, I, get where I'm going with that. So I, I think I get where you're going with that. I want to hear the whole argument. High level, I don't really – I mean, I was kind of joking. If you like – like, I mean – Zuckerberg's never been my dude. I, if anything, I, I have my own hot takes I want to mention on social media, which I think are even yeah. more broad. Um, and that's just like all social media, including Nostra now is probably not healthy for me. Um, mm-hmm. But specifically on this, like I don't use Instagram. I don't plan on using Instagram. I'm not going to use threads. But I also don't like hate it. And if it's a step in the right direction, cool. So I have, I have not been a fan of Facebook. So, you know, I, I will reveal my kind of I'm skeptical about most of the choices they make just because I don't think it generally makes the internet better. So I kind of start from a a skeptical perspective. Um, But I, I do think that Twitter has, you know, really fumbled the ball here and created an opening for something else to, you know, fill a bit of the void that it's creating. Um, and I, I'm happy to see, I think Threads was able to pull it off so far. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction for, you know, roughly two reasons. One is, um, I think it shows that, you know, Twitter is not a single monopoly, but that there is opportunity for more places, for more people to gather in different ways. So I think it's better to have two than to have one. Um, and then I also think their commitment to, I mean, apparent commitment, let's say, but I'll, I'll grant them that I think it would be hard to back out of this commitment, is they seem to, you know, all of the language says they want to be uh, compatible with the, uh, you know, uh, Fediverse, right? And they want to be a proper Fediverse client and kind of let, you know, let, I think it's let identities and relationship graphs travel around wherever. So, um, you know, I think I, I mentioned, I think I wrote something and mentioned, you know, while I don't spend a lot of time with Fediverse, Mastodon stuff, like it, you know, I think it's, you know, it's still team more open, let's say. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, there's people like, uh, uh, who's, who's the guy who's doing the bridge? He's, he's, I think he works on Truth Social. Alex Gleason guy? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So Alex, um, I think he works on Truth Social full time, which is a Mastodon instance, if I recall or understand <laughs> correctly. But um, I think he's been working on bridges to help Noster and you know the Fediverse or Activity Pub or Mastodon integrate better. And so, in a sense, I think there. I, I'd say, like again, to summarize it, there's sort of the two things. There's one is you know, Twitter is not the only place. 
And I think, you know, um, Threads is exploiting that, you know, moment of weakness that Twitter is really having to to sort of take it in a new direction. So I think it's good to show that people can transition and there's more than one player here. And then, you know, s- something with a commitment to Fediverse-related stuff is probably just one hop away from Noster. And I think Noster... You know, I, th- I think Noster's still like a much better architecture for all this than anything I've seen from, you know, the Fediverse stuff or, you know, say Blue Sky or something. So I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of different approaches and I'm glad to see a lot of different approaches. I still, you know, I feel like Noster's the approach that I have most, I find most compelling. Um, but if, if you know, a lot of the Noster community, I'd say is, is almost like you know so focused on the ideology of decentralization that it's sometimes harder to use the products and i think that um you know i think that threads is not super focused on decentralization at all really but they have kind of like some marketing message and presumably you know because they were rushing to get it out they couldn't build those pieces. I, I trust that they will be doing something. Right, or let's say I expect they will be doing something, and I think it'll be hard for them to, you know, totally go back on that commitment. So um, yeah, so I, I kind of find it uh, a a step in a good direction, despite me not loving, you know, the company and the way they operate, and the impact of the internet, and the fact that it is yet another centralized platform. I think it it has more net good for the goals of you know, the kind of shared goals of Nostra, I think that it has negativity. Yeah. I mean, I don't use threads or I haven't used it yet, but I've seen it used by other people. And, um, look, I think, I, so I a hundred percent buy your argument that it's better to have two, two places together versus one, because now that's kind of cracked a little bit. The monopoly has opened up the possibility for people to gather somewhere else. I, think it's interesting like what i've noticed from people talking about threads is that they seem to like it because they feel like they can it feels more like text messaging and thus they can be more kind of like personal with one another um i will say a general comment is um from what i can also gather there's probably a reason you follow someone on instagram versus on twitter like you may not want to hear someone's thoughts on whatever mm-hmm. on the visual platform versus vice versa and so i'm curious how that kind of holds up over time um I guess for me, the first question is, and I'm not an expert on the Fediverse or Mastodon or, or those other protocols. My understanding is that whoever controls that instance can, you know, still whatever shut you down if they want to. And my also understanding is that it's quite difficult to bring your identity and social graph from one instance to another. And I don't know all the details of that. So I, I should go and do more of my homework there. If you truly can inject your identity and bring it somewhere else with you, and it's not like some, you know, whatever. You have to, you know, send a smoke signal to whatever, mm, 600 Delaware. Right, yeah. Yeah, then that's cool. And I, I applaud that. But my hunch from people that I generally respect and trust on the sort of centralization versus decentralization is that that's not the case with any of these activity or diverse um, instances. So. I don't have. I, maybe yeah, I, I think idea. that is how. I mean, the, the big knock that people make on Fediverse stuff is that uh, you know instead of having like one centralized ruler who doesn't actually care much about censoring you, you actually have these little fiefdoms, and you're much yeah. closer to the person who's 
in control of that instance. So um, I think that's a, a very reasonable knock to have, and that's kind of why it you know it's never really been that appealing to me. Um, but I I do think that you know if you have portability out of Threads into that format. I can't imagine that you cannot port to other formats. The question is, can you port to even one format? Maybe it's not the format we believe in, but yeah. can you so port is kind I, of a bigger I question. Don't, I don't have the answer to that. I would love to know. And if someone is listening, they can give us more information. And maybe this house, at least in Ireland, if, if there was a way one day to be able to port from Fediverse to Nostril, that would be super cool. And I would applaud that. My understanding is that that's not possible yet, but, but maybe it could be. And I'd be interested to learn. I will kind of zoom out though and say some, something kind of broader. Which is, yeah. I think, while all of this stuff is interesting, it's kind of missing the broader point for me, which gets back to something we talked about before and you always say, which is that it's not the decentralization that matters, it's the openness right. of experimentation. So the thing I'll keep coming back to on this is like, I think it's a good two point that you're breaking the monopoly. I think it's good that Zuckerberg is at least getting the decentralized ideas in people's heads. Now, the way that Nostra wins is never going to be, okay, we're just like a better Twitter client. It's just never going to win right. that way. The way it's yep. going to win is by having all kinds of other use cases, the marketplaces, the AI plugins, the new data sources, yep. and watching that compounding effect. Oh, I can plug in you know, my Twitter profile into Spotify. I mean, the, the truth is for me, and I'll get into my hot take, yeah. I don't like social media. Like, honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. Even Noster. Noster is a huge step in the right direction, right? Because at least there, um, you know, I know how much I am and am not being manipulated to a degree. Yeah. I, mean, I know what the algorithms is or, or, you know, whatever i can always change mm-hmm. yeah. but the reality is like i i you know i've had twitter for a while but i didn't really use it that much until around covid um and you know i was talking to a friend about this last night and you know i i do try and curate a good feed of very interesting people and i get a lot of value for twitter i'm not gonna lie but once i started using it obviously it's wrapped in with covid so it's hard to like break all these different variables right. out. but i became a lot more paranoid and mm. like just anxious in general say for sure yeah and you know i had stopped using facebook i was never using instagram i i generally just tried to avoid you know social media in general because i kind of and i i even tried for a while to get rid of my phone which which i think was a great idea (laughs) i know this is extreme everyone's gonna do this but 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 i will say for me like i you know just like distraction and scrolling is like has probably been a net negative on my life and like Mm. i look at back when i was in high school and i used to use facebook and then when i just got off of it like i would say like my general just kind of like happiness and presentness went up right um and the only social media I use today is twitter and now Noster. And, and again i do get a lot of value from twitter so i'm not not discounting that and i guess the fact that i keep using it means i probably maybe i'm wrong but maybe my net value is higher maybe i'm just addicted <laughs> but um but but yeah i i i just i don't that's not what excites me about any of this with so i think this is a cool first use case but i'm going to be so much more excited for like okay, now I can log into the music player and zap my favorite music yeah. player. So we're so much more excited when, okay, I'm going to talk to my personal AI agent that's living on Noster as well, and yeah. he or she or it or whatever is going to go out there and give me, you know, a Mad Lib or Dilla-style beat that I love and help me record a song and do cool stuff, yeah. and, like, creating stuff. So anyway, so I, I guess my hot take is, like, I just don't really like social media at all. I think <laughs> by far the best because at least the brainwashing is a bit less... When you know a bit more of like how the brainwashing is happening, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think. Well, it's is there a yeah. better structure? So so I'll 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 give you the team social media, you know, yeah. kind of team Noster view is I think they're you know especially in kind of these text based formats. I, I I don't I don't really spend a lot of time in you know um, kind of like photo based formats, 
but um, you know, across like Twitter, Noster, now a bit on Threads. But I spend a lot of time on text-based formats because um, it it doesn't make me anxious in the way you describe it. But I feel like I am able to synthesize information from a lot of different sources, yeah. and you know, hear perspectives that I may not otherwise be exposed to. And so it kind of helps me keep in touch with kind of a collective thinking in the world and different perspectives on a idea that I'm sort of interested to hear more people's experiences with. And so, you know, is there, is there a way to keep that good part of it without, you know, without kind of the mind control or the kind of like the, <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, I think, I have a lot of thoughts on this. And I think the first thing I'll say is there is no one answer, right? Like everyone is different. Everyone has a different limbic system, a different, you know, whatever, like style of processing information. Mm -hmm. And I will say one thing that I do love about Nostra and even the Nostra Twitter coins is I think there's another idea that's really been stuck in my head, which is um, from uh, going back to Timothy Leary and Robert Anton Wilson, actually this idea that we all live in various reality times. I think one of the most important things to grasp and something I spent actually a lot of time talking with Pablo about is, uh, and maybe this is a controversial view, but I don't believe there's anything such thing as objective reality or an objective point of view. I think that's impossible. I actually think this is a much longer conversation, but mm. like one of my, um, I wouldn't say complete disagreements, but one, I, I question some fundamental uh, assumptions even with science, which says like there's like repeatability, you know, mm. and this is a much longer conversation, but what it boils down to is there's no such thing as um, objective measurement. There's always measurement by a person or from a point of view. And in fact, mm-hmm. and this is a much deeper philosophical question, but, um, and one of my interests in kind of Vedanta and some other stuff, um, there's never been a moment when anyone on this planet has ever seen anything not from their point of view, period. Right. And so like, yeah. by, by, it's almost tautological, but you're saying like, if you saw something, you saw it from your point of view, right? Yeah. And so I think that one of the things I love about Noster is that in general, I like systems that build more in tune with reality rather than trying to force a mental structure the way we think things should be. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, we need advances in technology to better allow us to match reality, but these centralized service providers, you know, they try to build a world where there is a centralized point of view and that's from the central banks to the social yeah. media companies. And that is not true in reality. There's never such thing as a, an objective point of view. It's always a, a subjective point of view. What I love about Noster is there's no such thing as an objective point of view. There's only subjective points of view. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, in, in that sense, I love that Noster honors reality and saying there's all these hmm. different reality tunnels. Interesting. Every yeah. single reality tunnel is different, full stop. And that's, I think, it's something yep. that everyone can agree with when they stop and think about it. And so, in that sense, I, I am very bullish on Noster from a truly fundamental perspective because I think it matches the reality of how existence operates. Um, and so, whatever gets built on that, whether it's social media or whatever, like I am a fan of that architecture honoring different points of view. Yep. Um, so that's the first thing I'll say. Specifically to your question, though, about the social media stuff, I mean, what I noticed, at least from my use of Twitter, is so there's benefit that I get from Twitter, for sure. The reason I keep coming back is partially as a VC, I love finding kind of like the weirdos and the underground thing. Yeah. And, like, and yeah, I found a bunch of really interesting points of view. I see what projects are trending. I synthesize that. It helps me a lot in my work. I also noticed I spent a lot of time just scrolling, and I, I don't like that. And one thing I did is I got rid of the Twitter app, so it's a pain in the ass. I have to log in on my phone every time to do that. Mm. What I really wanted to avoid was like, and I, for the longest time, and still mostly, I only use Twitter on the desktop because I don't want to be in line and just scroll. Like when I'm in line, I like to like be with myself in reality and not scroll, scroll, scroll. So that mm. 
that's more of the thing that I, I do. And even with Nostra, like that's why I don't love having to use the iOS apps, you know, but uh-huh. for, for, for the time being, as, as we're both a little paranoid with our insects, um, uh-huh. that's mostly what I'm doing. But so that, that, that's my bigger issue with all of that. Um, in terms of social media experience, I, I don't know how you get one without the other yet. Um, and, and, you know, I, yeah, clearly I'm still using it, so I'm getting enough value. What I will say is, while it's not exactly the same, the one social social media experience that has delivered me a ton of value, it maybe doesn't give me quite as much variety, but still a lot. That has never caused me any issues with scrolling or wasting time, and it's purely been a net good in my life, is Reddit. Um, and, and Stacker News in, in this hmm. one as well. I would put that yeah. For whatever reason, I would say I've learned a tremendous amount from Reddit. I've learned a tremendous amount from Stacker News, and I've yep. never been hooked or addicted. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is, but that hmm. format just works really beautifully for me. Right. And that, that's a format that we we spoke about. I think we had a call, was it last week we were talking just privately? And, you know, I wonder, like, where where are we? Have you seen or do you know more about stuff that's going on in kind of the like, like if subreddit were reinvented as a Nostra client or if Stacker News were to be more you know a Nostra native client um what what's the current there's a zap zap edit thing that i think i saw um what's the what are the latest projects that are sort of you know looking at that use case well yeah i think that's the only one that i've seen it's live and i haven't played that much with it yet and obviously i don't know all the details yet but i know kian is still kind of moving in that direction he actually though posted a really fascinating um post i don't know if you saw this on stack news i'll put it on our list you know, and I know this is a, a question that debated a lot around Nostra and centralization. Like, is it okay to have the centralized services as long as you have a uh, right of exit? Or should you be yeah. looking for a truly centralized experience? I, I tend to agree more on the side of it's okay if it's centralized as long as you have exit. But I also see the perspective, you know, kind of what he lays out a little bit in this thread, which is, you know, some of the like, you know, he talks about the wheel and the wheel that leads to the automobile that eventually leads to the rocket, but you don't see how that happens unless you really zoom out over thousands of right. years. And I, I get his perspective on that, like, you know, the decentral, like really prioritizing hard the de- decentralization, not just having a centralized algorithm probably isn't necessary for some of that rocket stuff. But I also think that's far in the future. And I think it's totally okay to like start with centralized system and then the next iterations of experiments. Um, but yeah, but m- my hope and my, my sense is that, you know, at some point um, when he releases outer space, uh, you know, I think he's alluded to it having certain Reddit-like qualities and, cool. you know, I bet it's going to be beautiful, but yeah. Yep. Speaking yep. of crass, he'll drop something beautiful, but who knows Yeah, well, ev- everything we've seen from Kian is impressive. Always, uh, always ahead of. Yeah, uh, I wanted to bring up one thing from that. I don't know if you saw yeah. this, but it was a really interesting quote from Super Testnet, and I actually thought this was this was worth um, mentioning. So I'll, I'll oh just yeah, the quote. Yeah, he said one thing. I've noticed almost all they're talking about, like you know, are there concerns about just like everything being on one relay today? And uh, Kian didn't call out, but like Domus is obviously the dominant one. I'm sure there's a couple mm-hmm. of others as well. And SuperTestNet says, one thing I've noticed, almost all Nostra profiles have a display name in the picture and bio, and almost all of them seem to be exported exclusively on relay.domus.io. I've connected the top five relays on Nostra Watch, queried for metadata for random accounts, and I only get responses from relay.domus.io. No one else has that data. I have a theory about why that is. I think it's because so many people use Amethyst and Domus apps, which start off with Domus as their default relay. And the first thing they do is create a profile, so the info goes on a Domus relay, on the Domus relay. Later on, they may add other relays or remove DOMS, but when they created their profile, DOMS was their main relay. Consequently, DOMS has almost all profile data and basically no one else does. And he talks about there's different ways to solve that and not, not calling out DOMS. DOMS is amazing. It's just this is testing to how good and dominant they've been. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I, I had not considered 
that, you know, the default, like, even if eventually you add a lot of relays, the default mm-hmm. that whatever app you start with has a certain amount of, like, specific valuable data or metadata that other relays don't have was an interesting point. Um, right. I'm curious. I, I had never thought of that. I'm curious if something you've considered or what your reaction to that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that sort of the, you know, the, you know, like, like Domus, you know, has a great, you know, great client experience, which means they end up having, you know, because it's coupled with a good default um, relay experience, they end up having, you know, probably a lot of nodes. I don't think, you know, the openness, though, means that anybody who builds another relay could pull those nodes, or anybody who builds like a caching layer could pull those nodes. And so I don't think, like, to me, it doesn't feel as problematic and i know that's you know probably kind of sacrilege but um but to me it's you know i think a lot about like if the thing can be done like somebody's going to do it and so do the thing that like if the architecture is right then doesn't matter what kind of experimentation people do and centralizing forces kind of inject themselves because like either the the architecture has antibodies against that bad behavior or it doesn't Right. If it doesn't, we can't just like ideologue our way to it. We, you know, just like it's just not the right architecture. Now, I think it probably is the right architecture, which is why I'm kind of like, uh, like experiment in ways that maybe don't feel so ideological to yeah. test the edges of the architecture. Is the architecture actually good enough? And this like wheel, what is it, wheel, automobile, rocket thing, like I just don't see as a real problem. And And if it is a real problem, it's a real problem, even if you know the, even if like other people don't pursue it, like somebody will pursue the building the you know wheel automobile rocket ship, and the people who didn't are going to be left in the dust anyway. Which which I don't predict is the case. I I think what will happen is people will come in and build things that you know are on a firm foundation of Noster and not worry about the fact that outside of that firm foundation things are you know not as ideologically pure but they're actually very user-centric and you know in and because it's all open like so back to your original question like if the domus relay is too big then like i think it's if if it's open if it's if i can pull the messages down like why does it matter if it's too big you know somebody else can build something big that's also too big and now they're in like fierce competition with each other like is is Thomas really going to charge to host the notes? Well, maybe the other guy's not going to charge, or you know, there's there's just like a, a kind of a open marketplace to explore, and I think we either have the right architecture to explore a bunch of stuff on there, or we don't. And you know, I I think I was actually talking to Hodelbod, and I think he he you know he runs Coracle, and I think he specifically made the decision not to do a relay because he doesn't want to see so much coupling between clients and relays, which like I think is a good instinct and he can focus on the thing that he wants to do. But also like if other people want to do it and want to explore those edges, I think we should explore those edges and we shouldn't like be shy about it. We should explore it and say like either the architecture is right and will defend against those kinds of problems or the architecture is just not that good for defending against those problems. I think it is good for that because but, 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 like, I think you can paint the picture that, oh, you know, it's going to cause some, you know, the internet used to be decentralized and now it's not anymore. And you could, you could argue that that same problem will occur. But I think it's really like, what are the strategic 
pinch points that that will emerge here and i don't think they're going to be the same as the internet but i don't know what they're going to be they're like it's still kind of that's the fun of it right it's it's unknown yeah no look i i especially in the immediate term i agree with you 100 percent. in the long run i do think it's i think it's important we have all kinds of experiments right and so i do agree i think the nasser architecture as it is is incredible I think that the ability to export easily your identity and social graph, as long as that remains easy, that I'm, I am personally comfortable and excited to see entrepreneurs experiment with whatever centralized experiences and algorithms or whatever they want. Uh, I will say in the long run, I think it's important that we have, you know, people that are kind of more oh, like completely open and decentralized yep. ethos that are experimenting with things. Cause yep. that's where Domus or not Domus, um, Nostra came from in the first place. And I, I think it's important that we keep thinking, you know, beyond just the open social growth and open identity, you know, what does continuing book, what does continuing to push for other kinds of decentralization open up down the line? But I, I agree with you that right now our biggest challenge is that we just never get relevant. And I think the best way to get relevant is to create excellent user experiences for people that help them do something they couldn't do otherwise, like accessing interesting data, content, or making money. And probably the best way to do that is to control as much of the user experience as you can from the client to the relay so that you can build a truly seamless, fast, amazing user experience, which is, you know, kind of what we're seeing a little bit right now with, um, with Primal, um, yep. which, you know, we talked about there, there, I guess we just mentioned now that the funding announcement, um, yeah. I, I was stoked to obviously participate in that. And I know you've yeah. been very involved in that project too. And I think it's just one example of, okay, you know, you can do a lot to contribute to the openness. Like if you use Primal, you can export your identity and social graph. They open source their code stack, which I thought was awesome last week. Yep. But, you know, a million is taking a point of view and saying, no, we're going to have centralized, um, at least for today, and maybe we'll even open this up eventually as well, but like, you know, search and discovery and our own caching services and whatever. And by doing all of that, we can create a user experience where when you log in, it like very quickly loads and very quickly tells you how many followers you have. Yep. And for like a normie, I think that's just kind of table stakes. And so I think that's that's really good for Nostra that we're getting those kinds of experiments too. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I like, you know, I know it's, you know, uh, kind of a, an experiment in a direction we haven't seen a lot of, but having those caching layers, having the discovery services actually make the experience super clean and easy. Yes. And, you know, and, and maybe it onboards, you know, tens of thousands, millions of people uh, because it's so much easier and because we find the thing that uh, that sort of is appealing. But um, but I don't think, you know, Primal ends up owning those users in the way that Twitter owns those users. I think those users are very portable and still have exit. And so, you know, any relay is still in fierce competition with the other relays. And if part of the infrastructure of Primal is relays in this caching stuff that also has to compete against all the other people who want to provide caching services or they have to you know drop the cost of their service to the marginal value that you know just the hardware and the the, the you know the um, the bandwidth costs and so I, I think it's it's a good it's healthy competition but i don't think it turns into a runaway problem it's just you know is my view it's kind of kind of like i mean it's kind of like you know the antibodies in bitcoin like you know if, if bitcoin needs you to like defend it in all these different ways is kind of like eh, then maybe it's just the wrong like if you have to really get you know buy-in from a bunch of political stuff then maybe it's just the wrong architecture for money right which i'm not arguing it is i'm saying that's the same kind of argument i would make is like it needs to be the right architecture and then like lots of experiments both de fully decentralized and fully centralized and people should try to attack it and 
it should still be able to be resilient to that. Now, obviously, with Nostra, we're very early compared to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's, you know, what is it now? 14 Over a decade, yeah. years old, something. Um, and, and Nostra is, you know, a couple years old, but maybe maybe like six, nine months of like, you know, more really substantial progress. And so it's like early, so we don't want to like attack it in every way right away. Like I get that, you know, like having like a lot of spam bots and stuff is just kind of annoying and just slows people down to building features to try to defend against spam. So, you know, I like I'm sympathetic to the idea that you want to sort of like pace out some of this stuff and you don't want to attract a bunch of like bad actors to, uh, you know, kind of abuse the system early. Um, but but I think like from builders who, you know, people want to experiment with centralized uh, features on top of the decentralized, uh, you know, protocol, I think are you know more healthy than hurting the ecosystem. Yeah, I, yeah. fully cosign. I mean, I again, I think Nostra is the right architecture, and uh, if it's not, then better to find it out, right? And so I, yeah. I'm with you, like. Let, let a thousand flowers blow. Let's see what works. Yeah. And some of that should be centralized. And, and, and another point on the kind of like, you know, threads is good for Noster, threads is good for decentralization. It also, if they, if threads goes the, um, the Fediverse route and maybe there isn't a good bridge to Noster, that may cause Twitter to figure out, actually, let's try a different experiment in a different direction. Yeah. And, you know, that, that seems like, like a good experiment for you know Twitter to try a Noster experiment, which I know I think yeah, Jack I has been pushing yeah, Elon on that for a while to be a a, a client of Noster. Um, Multiple people, I, I can confirm from a lot of different angles that has been oh, pushed good. with Elon and his and his crew. So yeah, that you know, as he says, the most entertaining outcome usually happens, right? That would be entertaining. Right, right, right. Now you know what else would be funny. I'm just, I'm curious. Like, I, I have no idea how much you know Zuckerberg is like really committed to open and stuff. Now, I will say he's created quite a like 180 shift in perception of him open sourcing all the models from the AI stuff. I think that's probably more a result of um, just like the logic of where his business falls, you know, yeah. and, like the economics of it. But who knows? Like, for all I know, the dude's had multiple kids. Maybe he's just like, okay, actually, I want to, like, contribute more <laughs> to society or something. I don't know. Right? Like, yeah. g- give him every benefit of the doubt. Sure, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing that would be wild. So, one of the special features, and again, I think eventually the special thing with Oster is all the data mashup, all the, the ecosystem, many kinds of apps, not just yep. data. But in the short term, one of the beautiful things we have in Noster even with the um, the Domus clampdown, is you know for Android and web users, we still have Zaps, and Zaps yep. are very powerful. Now, what will be interesting to me is like you know Threads is cool, but like even if people like Threads, like you still can't make money directly on it. What would be fascinating to me, and I, I'm, I bet one of them is going to do it, and I wonder is it going to be Elon or Zuck first? I would have bet Elon heavily uh, a year ago, but now who knows? One of them is going to realize, oh wait a second, we can integrate open payments that allow anyone in the world to access it with Lightning. Yeah. aside for a second. Um, if that happens, like then all of a sudden, I actually think at least short term that would set Nostra adoption back a little bit because one of our killer features is now adopted by them. But it would also take Bitcoin and just like absolutely, you know, uh, dramatically increase adoption. It's, mm-hmm. up, it's interesting because you know he had uh, David Marcus is leading all his efforts around Libra and you know their their own sort of centralized token that obviously yep. didn't work out. 
David Marcus is now obviously, you know, all in on the leg network with yep. um, Lightspark. What if, I mean, it could still be Elon. I mean, you know, he and his group, some, a lot of people are screwing into Bitcoin Lightning. But what if, uh, what if Zuck's like, actually, no, the next thing for threads is we're integrating Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that would be, that would be an exciting future. I think, uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll estimate. I mean, I think, you know, when people think they have a hand, they try to play it. Right. And I think with Facebook and Messenger and payments, they thought they had a hand. So they kind of tried to do the, you know, the Libra kind of power grab. Uh, and I think, you know, anybody who really follows Bitcoin understands that that's not going to work. Like you don't need yet another, uh, you know, decider on kind of money. But, um, but I do think there's like, you know, those experiments have been tried. They haven't worked out, you know, maybe a new experiment would be more appealing. And whether that's with threads or Twitter, I think, I think it's again, an example of having two players who have to compete to try to innovate is much better than having one. Like it's 10 times better, a hundred times better. It's not just like twice as good because having one is very slow and plotting and there's no real forcing function to try new things or to innovate in ways that are more open. But, but I think when you have like, like, look, I think you could argue Twitter. Did you see like the, I think Cloudflare stats on twitter.com there's like i think it was the was it cloud i don't know you know somebody who had some credible stats uh around the web usage and it's just kind of like fallen off a cliff um really? the usage of twitter yeah yeah i, I i'm surprised by it. i mean i I'm i think still addicted so <laughs> i think it was um I think it was, yeah, I, I want to say Cloudflare, but, it, but, but you know, this may be confounded by other factors, so I don't mean to say that's, you know, the truth, but that, that was at least something I've been aware of, uh, you know, being shared or an idea that's, that people are pushing. But, you know, I think Twitter is, they must be feeling pain today from Threads, whether Threads is durable or whatever, but like getting, you know, basically the core use case of the thing, having a competitor go from like zero to a hundred million users in like a week, that that has to create some pain. And if you're in pain, you have to make decisions to like, how do you strategically bob and weave to be relevant or to be, you know, useful or to be, you know, sort of appeal to a different use case or a different group. And, um, and I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that Twitter is in that you know, similar to how like Facebook Meta is open about AI stuff because they're not the leader. Exactly. Like the leaders are Google and OpenAI and Microsoft and you know maybe like an Anthropic with Claude Two that just came out. Like those are the leaders, and Facebook's playing catch up. And so the strategy when you're playing catch up is don't just do the same thing that you know number one, two, and three are doing, but take a radically different position which is like hey we're going to open everything we're going to commoditize everything that you do and just give it away for free and we're going to win because we're going to do other stuff that 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 doesn't that doesn't need that thing to make money we're going to build other tools other services so i think it's generally good so maybe the twitter playing catch up to threads position is really like look like we're not going to build our own currency that's been tried that's kind of dumb it doesn't work um, but maybe maybe we do a lightning integration or maybe we maybe we do a nostra integration or we sort of we're playing catch up we're, we want to be relevant again how do we be relevant in the way that we used to be we used to be the king now we're not yeah. the king how do we do that so i think 
I think it's good. I like I like seeing I like <laughs> seeing that kind of competitive force in the market because it means everybody has to sort of up their game and everybody has to scramble to find new ways to serve people's needs. And I suspect that some of those needs are, you know, going to be more visible as, you know, uh, more open, open ways serve people better. Which Ladies is kind of the core. Gentlemen, you heard it here first, DK with the crystal ball. Elon, <laughs> if you happen to be listening to this, <laughs> plug into Noster. You get <laughs> access to all this open data. You plug in the lightning, open payments. All of a sudden, you know, whereas Zuck is marketing decentralization, you mm-hmm. have a truly open environment. And actually, like you pick the right architecture, so yeah. it'd be interesting. Did um did I see right? Did uh, was did Elon announce a like new AI initiative, like AI dot or X dot AI? Is that yes? And I I haven't read much about it. I just it seems okay. like he's got some smart people, but uh, something. The only thing that caught my attention was the goal of the uh, organization was to understand the universe. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I mean, that's minutes. a good goal. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, like, you know, open AI was sort of started by him with the intention of being open. And I think it's gotten very closed over time. So I think this is like a pushback or return to the original vision. And so if you actually can build a more open version of AI services, that's probably net benefit for humanity and actually net benefit for maybe some of the, if, if open AI, maybe you have actually some of these tools like the you know the 402s uh you know lightning the ln402 and you know some of the sort of apis wrapped um would be more possible in this in this kind of world yeah i love it um maybe a few more just last monster things i want to toss out and then i did want to get one more ai question out there yeah uh, in fact, fuck it. Let's just go with the AI uh, question real quick. <laughs> uh oh, um, is this turning into like an AI podcast? <laughs> I know. The, 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 well, the thing I wanted to ask you while we we're on that is, you know, you pulled up for me. I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, this guy who I was not familiar with, but read a bit more about him, Chris Pike, Pike Peck, Pike. Yeah, yep. Pike, and yeah. he he basically put out two different ideas that I thought were pretty interesting, and both were very related. And you tagged me in this, and so I wanted to get your, ta- to your take on this. Um, I'm going to read his, his claims. One, these are like his like kind of investing theses that he was yeah. out there. One, local open source AI inference. I believe local open source AI inference will beat out cloud closed source inference driven by the capabilities of Apple Silicon and price elasticity. It has to be free as in beer. Distribution discovery are critical. He followed that up with a tweet that says web GPU broadly. I think web GPU could power decentralized local inference via BitTorrent-like architecture, specifically non-crypto, and also represent the future of gaming. I read a bit more about web GPU. I think it's Google released, I believe, and basically makes it easier for a browser to access the GPU within your computer, which potentially could have implications for, you know, doing inferences and offering that up via web API, is my understanding. Um, what are your takes on his on his two takes? Do you agree with him that local inference is going to end up being way cheaper because of Apple Silicon and competition? Is this web GPU thing a big deal? What's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't claim a lot of expertise here, but uh, <laughs> you know, from the people that I've talked to who who I think are you know kind of more uh, knowledgeable about this, um, we I think we have to see if we're going to move from the you know, kind of cloud-based, like does the infinite 
everything large language model really, really matter? And is that really, really differentiated just by like scale? Or is the kind of like fine-tuned, distilled, locally run edge AI good enough if you sort of have maybe it's high quality documents that you train on, or maybe it's just like vertical specific data sets. And if you do that, then like the web GPU and Apple Silicon stuff starts to be like a reasonable way to do that. So if it's like, if you need really large, you know, um, you know, infrastructure, probably if, if that's the winning formula, like that's sort of well experimented. I don't think we can make strong claims that the winning formula is definitely edge and open source. I hope it is. I think there's reasons to be optimistic, you know, smaller, more focused. I think there's reason to be optimistic, but this is kind of like real time, the kind of experimentation and learning that's going on right now. Until we have the answer to that, I don't think we can make strong claims about, you know, this is definitely going to be the the path that wins, um, yeah. you know, as much as I hope it is. Yeah. What do you think specifically? So agree with all you're saying there. I think, I mean, implicit in that is also just this idea that like Apple chips are just getting better and better. And, you know, that's impressive as well. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, you know, more and more people can just run, don't need a gaming computer anymore. You can just do it from your MacBook Pro, which a lot of people have those. So that's pretty interesting. This web yeah. GPU thing though, I didn't fully understand. I'm curious, what was your take on this? I think WebGPU could power decentralized local inference via Bitcoin-like architecture, specifically non-crypto. And I'm guessing, you know, he's not yet familiar with Lightning or doesn't know a lot about that. So when I hear the BitTorrent Lightning, I'm like, okay, this will probably be done with Lightning, but maybe not. What is your read on what he means there? Basically, a lot of different people are able to link their GPUs together to do decentralized cloud inference. Yeah, I I mean, that was, I I saw it and it seemed to touch on a bunch of themes that I know we've talked about and are interested in. you know, the specifics of like, you know, how BitTorrent like and how do the GPUs get served? I think WebGPU is a an easy way for, um, you know, the hardware to get surfaced in a website, but I don't know that it means, you know, I don't know all of the implications, like, can you have it always running and what's the power compared to like doing it in, you know, in a data center with a specialized GPU? Um, well, you know, I, I just don't have a good sense of the trade-offs there but i think one would need to understand those trade-offs better before you could kind of properly analyze this um but but i think like the idea of i think the ideas that he's talking about a, a BitTorrent like bitcoin based you know gpu based thing is very consistent with this idea of like how do you let people you know donate or kind of contribute compute capacities to workloads to get paid via Bitcoin, so it feels feels like it's in that same flavor of things. But I don't, I don't think Chris is suggesting here's the answer. Right. I have the answer. It's more like these themes seem like they should work together, and like let's you know experiment and see. Totally, and I think they're very well aligned with the sort of Bitcoin Lightning and Austria ethos. And so I'll yep. reiterate, as I've said on podcasts before. You know, I put out that paper or essay a few weeks ago, hivemind.vc slash AI for who wants to read it. Yep. But like one of the big things I was calling for there was a marketplace for GPUs. And I think this is like one kind of way on that market. I mean, and I get why, you know, a lot of people, when they say BitTorrent, like non-crypto, I think crypto is obviously getting a very bad name right now. But if you think Bitcoin is just energy and like no yep. scale, I think that's probably the best way to do proof of work in the future or whatever. But I, I'm now interested to see kind of two different types of marketplaces. One is just generally like a marketplace for compute, like straight up, you know, here's my um, access to my web 
GPU API, use it for whatever the hell you want. Although I imagine I could also have some malware implications, mm-hmm. point, some safety review. And then the other is just this marketplace for agents, which is to say like, okay, it's not a generalized compute that I'm offering up, but like just like we talked about earlier, like a long tail of, you know, hundreds of thousands and eventually millions, eventually billions and trillions maybe one day, very hyper-specialized uh, models that have some special mode based on their data that you have or yep. whatever some skill you have. Um, so I'm going to re-put that out in the universe uh, for anyone listening right now. I'm extremely interested in exploring and funding potentially both of those ideas. One, like sort of generalized compute marketplace, Nostra Lightning Base, mm-hmm. and then agent Nostra Lightning Base marketplace. Right. And do you think is the thing kind of uh, build it and and prototype with things? Or how do you imagine? Do you imagine, do you have like a, a use case that you'd want to go after and sort of build technology to serve a specific use case? Or do you kind of want to prototype on the build of what each of those might look like and kind of do an exploratory process to discover what can be done with it? I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, my general take is, yeah, I want to see a lot of different people experiment because I, I don't know, like it could be something I'm just not familiar with that really makes it pop. For example, some kind of like gaming use case or something, I just, mm-hmm. which I'm not the right person to see that because I'm not really a gamer. But I mean, that's why I like these kinds of hackathons and I want to see a lot more of these happen. But the ideas that make a ton of sense to me today are, you know, you either help someone get paid that can't get paid or offer a service that they that can't be offered otherwise. So the things that make a lot of sense to me are, you know, um, offering up specialized models or compute that people can access that otherwise couldn't access open API or open AI's API. One example would be, you know, and, and I think eventually you're going to need to connect the infrastructure from just taking SATs to local normal apps that speak Bitcoin Lightning, right? So as an yep. example, most people don't realize they can use SaaS, but if you're like, hey, you know, you want to access this service, use it with Cash App, or if you're, you know, in um, Latin America, use it with IBAX, or if you're in... Offering people the ability to quickly experiment with monetizing some data or service they already have. And I... My bias here is just like shit fast, see what sticks. I think Pablo is by far in the best position for this because he solved mm-hmm. a real problem for him. He wants to offer podcast transcriptions. The best way to do that, at least today, is with whisper models. Any who's gonna do the best job of running whisper models and giving you accurate data for the best cost? We don't know. That's what the free market decide. And so I think that is a great example. And I would be and, and, and one general meta point there that I'll make that I love about the way Pablo is approaching this is it's not just like like and this is why I'm probably, you know, uh, in a better position having fun as a VC than an entrepreneur. It's one thing to speculate about this stuff, and it's quite fun. I like doing it. But what I like about what he's doing is it's it's not theoretical. It's like, I want to solve a problem. Which yeah. is how do I get the cheapest, best quality podcast transcription possible? Okay, well, it's one part to play. Yep. And then you expand out. That's not the only thing people need. So I don't know what he'll need next for a service, but maybe it's, okay, now I want to have a service that, you know, you're going to do the best job possible to blast this to the most num- uh, largest number of normal users or something like that. There's a service you know, that makes sure it gets on all the relays. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. real problems, like real, like tangible, measurable things is what I would recommend people try. Right. In, in, that, um, in that example with Pablo, does he, is he, he's building the marketplace for that? Is he building yeah. like he's building a, is he Pablo. supplying? <laughs> <laughs> so, so is he, he actually has like a, a like a compute resource that's going to supply whisper transcriptions. It's already live. 
as a demo. Oh, that is. Yeah. So how do you use it? Uh, I don't know if he shipped it to public because I tried today and I couldn't, but he shows oh, video okay. of it. So I, I actually think in the video, he has three different models running. I think he's running all three of them. Um, it may just be a demo. I, I, maybe I got fooled by vaporware. But I think in our conversation a week or so ago, he told me that when he explained this to an AI researcher that was on Nostrum, well, it blew their mind. And they also hosted Whisper. Oh, cool. Tried it. So like, I'm, don't quote me on this. And Pablo, if you're listening, maybe you could practice. But I think both he and at least one other person have competed to offer that nice. service. Nice. I love it. So it's like, I think that's great. It's so simple and focused. And he's patient zero on the supply side and maybe already getting a, you know, patient number one to sort of, uh, compete on supply. Um, so, and then, you know, just like, let's, let's get the demand apps and the examples of sort of actually, can we use it to do some of the stuff that, well, I guess we don't have that many, um, we should get a podcast of of our, a transcript of our podcast. Yeah. So how do we do that? We upload it to, well, again, I couldn't get it to work today. So I Pablo, okay. I don't know if that, that was just a demo, but let's, let's hit okay, it might just afterwards. be the demo. Yeah. We'll hit them up and figure it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to contribute a thousand sats. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Or 950 to the undercutter. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. And then I'm looking, I know we've got a few other things coming up a little bit later. So, uh, you want to you wanna wrap any other kind of final thoughts or things that we should be? Yeah, just a couple last just quick announcements I wanted to put out there because I thought they're worth mentioning. Um, yeah. Let me pull them up. Just some other things this week. So we talked about Zapple Pay, Primal's launch. Um, yep. I think just a couple other launches I want to mention. Mutiny, their new browser extension. I believe it's a browser extension trying to play with it yet. It came out today. I understand it to be something like kind of like a non-custodial Albi type thing, which I think is pretty mm. interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, I know they've been really pushing hard I think it's the first one of the first projects to use LDK as well, which is blocks implementation later. So that's pretty cool. Oh, great. Um, haven't used it, so I can't comment on it, but I, I think very highly of the builders there. Um, it's Ben mm-hmm. and um, Tony and Paul. And, and anyways, I'm excited to use it. It looks cool. And I appreciate, you know, I'm, I'm not at all convinced, to be clear, that non-custodial is ever going to be better than custodial in terms of user experience. Um, but I hope it is. And I think it's awesome that there are people that are that committed that are going to try and make that the case. So let's see. And that's awesome. Um, so I want to mention that. I want to mention Arcade is doing some really cool experiments. And if you check out, they just launched a day or two ago, uh, AI chat within their chat app. Right now, the newest version of the Arcade app, which is in beta for people that want to test and get feedback, they're looking for feedback. It's quite really cool because you can do, um, you know, sort of Telegram style chat. And there's some debate with them and other people over if that's the right standard, but it's an experiment, which I like. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the chat channels they're experimenting with this as a marketplace. So I think the idea is, you know, for something like a local Bitcoins that, you know, most of the actual Bitcoin trade, the inside the ads, which is pretty interesting is that, you know, even something like PAX for local Bitcoins, by their estimations, were still a very small percent, like 1% or less of the actual peer-to-peer trading that was happening. But the vast right. majority of the peer-to-peer trading was on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. So this mm-hmm. is kind of taking that insight and saying, okay, can we build a Messenger and then build that marketplace on top of there? So that's a very cool experiment. And now they're doing this experiment where another chat you can have is with your AI assistant, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so anyway, so I, I just... And how, uh, how do you use that? Do you Is it at a website or an app that we can download? Or Yeah, you can the... download it. I'll, I'll send you the link, but I think... Um, or if you just go to you know Arcade's Twitter profile, I'm sure it's on their Nostra as well. But um, yeah, they, they publish a link to the test flight. Uh, the AI thing, when I downloaded last night, I saw Chris demo it. Maybe it's not released in the latest version because I couldn't get that to work yet. Um, but the, uh, the general kind of water cooler chat... And mm-hmm. the ability to create your own channels are there. Um, so I like that they're 
like some of these other guys, like Pablo, like they're really pushing the envelope of what's new and possible, which I love. Um, yep. And then two others I just want to call. I just saw this morning. Jeff launched ostrich.work, which is cool. He calls it the first and best in ostrich job board on the internet. So I like that. This is Jeff G. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And you're already seeing, actually, damn, good for him. Even since this morning, you know, Pablo's posted a job. Uh, this is ostrich.work? Yeah, ostrich.org. This is sick. Go, go Jeff. Uh, Stelios from Geyser has posted two, di- well, at least I think he posted it twice, but a front end engineer posting. For those, uh, I've mentioned this to you, I may be doing uh, some hiring at my fund at some point for like a chief of mm-hmm. staff type of role. So maybe I'll put that up there. Um, oh, wow. good, good for him. He's already like this morning, you were zero, and now there's like four or five. So that's cool. Um, nice. And again, I love seeing people pushing it. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention, because I think what they're doing is just so dope, is uh, congrats to Gigi and the whole you know group over at OpenSats um, yeah. who released their huge first wave of Nostra grants. And uh, it's just a lot of the best builders in there. And yeah, it's just it's so cool. That oh, yeah. Do you have do you have that list up? There were, I, I do. I saw the list when it happened. Do you want to call off a few names or shout out? NDK by Pablo, because Pablo does everything. <laughs> Amla mm-hmm. by Verbricha. Coracle by Huddlebod. Iris by Malmi, Damas by GP55, Russ Noster, Noster SDK, UKBTC, Noster Relay, NestJS, Cody Singh, Soapbox, Alex Felice, we always talked about, Code mm-hmm. Collaboration over Noster, that's a GitHub idea, kind of Dan Conway dev, don't know him, Satellite, which is one I haven't played with a lot yet, but I've heard great things about, Loptide, mm-hmm. Amethyst by Vitor, Pinster, yep. which is kind of like Pinterest, I believe, um, Sephir Safari, Noster.build, by Noster.build, Gossip by Mike Dilger, or however you say his last name, uh, Nostra SDK iOS, Brian Monts, and Nostra Design by Carnage. So that's just awesome. Like, you know, kudos to Jack, kudos to that whole team. Like, just, like, honestly, that's, like, just an incredible public good. Yeah, I think that yep. should be applauded all, all the way around. Yeah, 100%. And it's great that it's, I think these are all names that we've seen for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of, like, long-time contributors to Nostra and to you know, to NIPs and weighing in on NIPs and building applications and stuff, uh, you know, before the grant money showed up. So they sort of like, you know, they, they didn't wait. They just like moved on it as a, as a great entrepreneur does. And then sort of the, the, the money and kind of the, the funding to help kind of make it more sustainable or to give them a longer, you know, kind of, uh, longer runway to, to run these experiments and maybe even get some more resources together, are now uh, now possible. So it's a good, uh, it's you know, great great list of people, great roster, and but uh, love yeah. to see kind of just more more space for these great people to be innovating. Congrats to you all. And honestly, it makes me a lot more bullish on Austin too, because like obviously we've got a long way to go. Uh, we have an incredible architecture. We have a great start. We have you know a solid user base to get started. We have a long way to go. And just knowing that these people who are so committed are going to be able to keep developing for one, two plus years, like a lot's going to get built in that time. So it makes yep. me a lot more bullish on the ecosystem. And yeah, I'm stoked. Awesome. What about you, DK? Anything else last minute you wanted to mention? Last minute. Um, what, uh, what else? Oh, I, uh, I've been playing, th- th- this might be an interesting kind of, uh, product that would work with the LN402 idea, but I've been playing with um, a bunch of different tools to take these long form videos and to chop them up into shorter oh, form. Cool. Uh, and there's some good work. I've, I've actually been working with a few people on manually doing it and then a few automated systems. And it feels like there's 
a ton to explore there. And, you know, there's a ton of innovation, ton of different approaches. Um, but I've found that that is, uh, that's something that I'm like, oh, it's so easy to make long form. And then it's so hard to cut to short. And it's an obvious place where AI could, you know, be part of the solution. It's an obvious place where, um, uh, you know, there's payment, there's direct payment in all those cases. So there's like an obvious kind of value exchange. So it feels like it, it, it touches on a lot of these themes. Um, though I haven't seen any kind of Noster specific thing or, um, actually I, I did see, you know, it's interesting. I did see podcast GPT, which, uh, have you seen this? It takes a, um, it takes, you know, you give it like one of your favorite podcasts and you say, send me, create a new podcast for me that has the best clips of podcast X. And so it kind of reclips it and turns it into a new podcast for the consumer to kind of do. And it feels to me like this would be nice as a creator tool too, and probably has more direct kind of uh, monetization payment opportunities there. Um, so that's another area that I have been spending some time in just cause I spend a lot of time in video and playing around with new tools these days. <laughs> Um, I think that's awesome. By the way, I mean, you know, we talked about what's going to be the next use case. Pablo, you just heard your second, your second <laughs> customer right there. And, and I do think it's really It is nice. a form of highlighting, actually. It's, it's, not, it's not a bad point. Yeah, I, I hadn't really connected it so directly, but it is really another form of highlighting. Take long well, form and highlight to the short form. And what it really reminds me of, and I think we're all this Mary so beautifully, and, and I like that, again, it's focused on very specific niche like around podcasts, right? Like, we already have podcasts in 2.0 and lightning payments there. That's kind of, you know, Oscar from Fountain Others are, you know, pushing that more towards, uh, to, towards an Oscar as well. And yeah, I think that, um, you know, you've, you've got companies like Albi, they're very focused on the podcast in 2.0 and providing payments there. I think it's just, yep. it's just, you've got so much momentum on that front already. You've got people like you, the one does. I think it makes, yeah, I could totally see a whole marketplace of podcasts or services from, you know, doing the clipping, you know, doing the transcriptions, maybe marketing it one day. Like I, I think it's like a nice, like full stack uh, of services that perhaps Pablo or someone can, can expand into. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. So good. All right. With that, shall we wrap? That's a wrap.